Dun, 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 dun. Welcome officially, finally, to episode 200. It's been 200 episodes of the Tactical Crouch podcast, of which I've been here for like maybe five of them. So, you know, um, man, like where, where, where did the other 195 go? Wild. Yeah, I actually remember coming onto the show, I'm like, how are you guys already up to like 150 or something like that? Mm. You know, you guys, you had said so many episodes already done. It's crazy to me. Been going since was it season one, Joe? It must have been season one, right? Um, I I judge this based on how many power rankings we've ended up doing. Um, so <laughs> at go. least season two, right? At least season two in terms of power rankings. Past that point, it's kind of all a blur. I haven't even like bloated the content by like adding random like six second TikTok videos, like yeah, episode eighty seven. It's just a seven second TikTok video. You know, haven't done any of that. These are like legitimate hours long episodes different features in them um multiple guests of which i've been a guest uh, at least a couple times i think how many times i've been i've I've been on the show prior to becoming a regular must have only been like twice two or three times i think it was three three times times, yeah i didn't feel like a lot didn't feel like a lot so you know um (laughs) like a hundred and hundred plus episodes i can't even remember when did i join again like what what episode count was it that i first came in late 80s i think no, it wasn't. Right? I've not done 100 episodes of this. Is it early 90s? No, 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 no. no. Like, well, I'm sorry, yeah, late 180s. 180s, yeah. So I wasn't far off. I'm like, yeah, I've only been here like five episodes. It feels like it hasn't been that long. Mm. Yeah. I'm in 180 episodes. You guys already had like so much that you've already worked with. It's been a long time. So this is a celebration episode. This is a celebration episode where we're not going to be doing our normal like roster shuffling Rostermania type of content in the offseason. Uh, we're still not going to be talking about Overwatch 2 yet. Uh, we'll do that when, when Jessica gets around to finally acknowledging <laughs> what Overwatch 2 is. Um, and he's waiting for Blizzard to acknowledge what Overwatch 2 is. You know, there's a bit of a line here in progression is in what order things happen. Mm. But what we're going to do instead is, you know, we, we had some discussions. We had some back and forth brainstorm. Like, what do we do for episode 200? Like, we could all get into a hot tub. Um, we could all try and fly to Yiska's house. Or, like, what are we supposed to do? And, you know, one of the easy things and one of, like, the cool things to do would be, well, we should get some guests on. We've had, like, one guest on here since I've been on. And then that kind of evolved into, why don't we get more than one guest? And now we have a huge, almost mega episode. It's not, like, super, not mega and, like, super long, but mega in terms of, like, we're just going to bring on, like, lots of people. Lots of people from uh, previous guests that have already been on here. Lots of our friends in the industry, et cetera. We're going to have a big catch-up with them over the course of the next couple hours kind of have a joint celebration and you know about how how tcp has gone through 200 episodes so that's that's what's going to be today guys that's what it is yeah hopefully you guys enjoy it it's uh a slight undertaking but fingers crossed this all works out pretty well and you guys uh enjoy the uh the chit chats we have with uh some 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 of our favorite friends not all any, of our favorite friends, but some any like favorite moments over the last 200 you guys like what are some standouts i think some Baroi dances are always like a highlight yeah that's that's tough one to beat the Baroi intro uh, where he introduced us as a wrestling announcer yeah yeah <laughs> i was... i me personally i've always loved like the power rankings banter and like just the, the absolute shit fest that is yeah um just just slinging all kinds of mud debating the most like goofy opinions on like things um yeah i i think just like taking some of the most like 
random facts about the league and trying to argue them back and forth has, has always been a good time. And I don't, I don't even know what my highlight would be. Because I, you know, as Eric just pointed out to me, so 178 was my first. That is what, 23 episodes inclusive of 178? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I actually don't know. Within 23 episodes, what has been my favorite? Because it's been, I'm not trying to say like it's all just been one big blur, but like <laughs> it's, suppose, uh, yeah. it's hard to point out. Like, I don't know. Like, if there's, there hasn't been like one very crazy episode. Um, maybe just whichever I go on a rant on, which is at least half of them, at minimum 50% of them. Um, so I don't know, like, yeah, I, I, I've, I've loved at minimum 50% of them because I've, I've just, I've just gotten really angry and ranting as, uh, that's, that's key to my brand. So maybe in the future, maybe this will be it. Maybe this is going to be my favorite episode yet. I'm hoping this is going to be my favorite episode yet. And I'm hoping it'll be your favorite episode yet as well. But before we get started, guys, as usual, Big shout out to our patrons out there. This very special episode 200, the big 200, is brought to you by Battle Crab, Refined Bean, Bronze Bob Buha, Chare, Chris R3444, Cordino, Hunter Taint, Porkchop Sammy, Cancer 67, Lotion, Rick Zane, Volamelon Sugar High, Volamel's Smooth Nuts, Your Misery, and Prophet Picasso, as well as our YouTube super members of Fire Element 6, Ice Ham Jello Grow Roots, and AK Chris R. So that's it. That's going to be it. We're going to now introduce our very first guest. So hang tight. First of many. This is going to be a mega episode. Enjoy. Oh boy, I've been waiting for this one. Got Harsha on here for episode 200. How you doing, man? You have just recently departed the Houston Outlaws. You had, I would say, like one of Houston's better seasons they've ever had in, in the entire history of the franchise. And overall, um, what are you up to? How are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm all right. I'm just chilling now, I guess. Uh, not working in esports, and that's obviously very relaxing. So, yeah, you just unloaded all the stress like full zen now. <laughs> you got nothing. Zero weight on the shoulders. Pretty much. It's kind of nice. I, you know, I can't imagine after working, you know, uh, ungodly hours. I won't say any numbers that, you know, have mentioned behind the scenes, but or that maybe aren't public. But yeah, it's, I can't imagine that what you guys at the coaching and maybe even at the GM level, you know, I know that you're, you're the hat that you wore on Vancouver was, you know, very, very <laughs> at times to say the least. Um, you know, I can't imagine that it's not like a nice, like warm bath, like, ah, not, I, I have, I have free time. What's that? I don't know what that is. It's, you know, For real. What? you know, going, it's nuts. I can't, it is unfortunate. I took, my break. I took my break during the off season. So basically this is when i'd be having free time anyways but mm. you know it is what mm. it is what was in hindsight like the most stressful part of your watch league career um i think the most stressful part was probably when i first joined well actually it would have to be when i when i uh left shock and then was like supposed to be on justice and then that didn't fall through and then i was just unemployed and then also this has happened after a lot of teams had built out their staff already mm-hmm. so there's very limited opportunities so i got very lucky to end up on vancouver basically mm. uh so i think that was probably the most stressful part and then the second most stressful part was the, the following months when i did get on to vancouver and then <laughs> and then uh we had we had uh i think the org wasn't very aware of like what was going on in the the team itself or like how it was being managed i guess mm. so i was kind of like put in charge of like uh setting up for when they get to america but then they didn't have their like visa process moving at all. 
there's actually a point in time where we thought we'd have to forfeit our first match to Shanghai because we didn't think our team would have visas in time. Oh, wow. Oh, um, that would have been Shanghai's first win. Just boom. Imagine that forfeit yeah. win for Shanghai's it, it first. Shanghai's first win and Vancouver's uh, undefeated streak window started. And there would have been so much, uh, I guess, out of that. But thankfully, we came in like four days before the season started. And then it ended up working out. But yeah, th- those were the, the most stressful times, I would say. It's almost like you, you kind of... Um improved like looking back at justice's season that year and then vancouver season like i mean <laughs> you kind of caught the w there a little bit you know it, it looked a little pretty shit at the start but then you know it turned out that you got the w for that year i think i got very lucky because i think if i had joined justice there's like a, a decent chance my career would have just been over after that season or like during that season uh seeing how things went so yeah i think i got very lucky dodging that bullet and then i learned i learned way more from vancouver than i would have learned being on justice as well right so i think that was obviously helpful i think yeah it would have been hard for for teams to take a chance on anybody that came out of justice so yeah it was very fortunate you also then dodged the the whole uh vancouver the following year with with, you know changing rosters as well right (laughs) so yeah i mean that that was more or less i think I think a lot of people on that team kind of expected a situation like that to happen, including the players themselves and like the, you know, the upper management and stuff. Like there was a lot of like tensions, I guess. Uh, just people weren't seeing eye to eye. So I think, I, I mean, I did dodge a bullet, but also like, um, I think also it was kind of obvious it was going to happen if, if that makes sense. Right. It was like kind of brewing. I almost yeah. feel like if there was a time for that to happen, the most appropriate, and this is like, I don't know, best case, no, the most appropriate time would be during the off-season, right? But it kind of ended up brewing over to the next season. Yeah, and you kind of had, had to kind of look at it from from a distance like, oh, shit, you know? A lot of issues kind of, like, went unaddressed, basically, during the off-season. And, and basically what happened was, like, there needed to be more done during the off-season. Um, but I think that the, the org saw this as, like, you know what, we made a, we made a, basically a winning team last year. Like, we don't really need to do too much. So they just got Fisher and Jay Hong and added them to the team and didn't do anything else, I think. So didn't fix any of the problems. They, they didn't fix any of the problems. So yeah. basically like all the tensions that were like part of season two, like carried over to season three. And then I wasn't there to, to talk to management, I guess. So they didn't really have anybody to stick up for them to, to the management. So I think, right. I guess that part is kind of on me. Like they, they didn't really have anybody to help kind of explain their point of view it kind of it probably felt very much like management is coming at it from one side and then they're coming at it from another side and both of them thought the other side was unreasonable so right. i think that was probably part of the issue but yeah basically like basically too much went went unresolved during the off season and then it just all boiled over during the the regular season itself have you had a pretty good time in houston though because you've been in houston for what two seasons now uh, if I did my maths correctly, um, obviously last year was not as good as this year, but um, I mean, how, how, how's your time in Houston been? Now that, now that you finished up, I mean, like, what do you leave off? During season three, I definitely, I had a lot of regrets. I actually, like, truly, I, I kind of like regretted joining Houston for a lot of the, the year just because I thought we were going to, th- I think, you know, I, I think a lot of the players actually regretted being on Houston as well. Like, it was such a it was probably the worst time to join Houston because it was going under like a transition period from, you know, one ownership to another and right. and neither of them kind of had like 
an idea of the space. The management was kind of like, I uh, they didn't do too much. <laughs> so, um, season three was like really hard because we just didn't have like support from anybody, and then and then on top of that, we like struggled in in game. So it was like we're having to catch up on two fronts, like from you know right. the management side and from the the in game side. Was last year the first year with Beasley? I I, I got the times mixed. So I don't know when Beasley actually came in. So season three was the first year with Beasley, and they came in. They came in um, fresh, like they didn't have. They didn't. I think they owned Renegades, but they didn't have very much esports experience. Like, right. To be honest, so season three was like a, a learning year for them, and then they kind of figured out their structure during that year, figured out how they wanted to run things, and then implemented that into season four. So season four was a really good year. Um, so I actually enjoyed season four a lot, and then a lot of the regrets that I had like kind of went away because I was able to enjoy season four. Mm-hmm. But for sure, during season three, like. I, I I felt really salty throughout part of the year, uh, and I'm sure everybody on the team did too. Like it just felt like we all came into a losing situation, basically. Um, but I mean, would you have preferred that or preferred staying on Vancouver, considering what ended up happening with their team as well? I mean, so what ended up happening was my my I ended up having two like major options, and it would have been either joining Paris or joining uh, joining Houston. And you know what? Oh. Paris ended up doing really well, but then they they also <laughs> blew up. So it's like I don't think I don't think there is a a winning situation when like you like uh, leave behind it, these. What is the you, like, <laughs> you just leave behind a wake of destruction behind you? The only team you haven't blown up is the San Francisco Shock. They they improved. You walk what you you don't get to Washington. They <laughs> Vancouver blows up behind you. Maybe You're like, a bad omen. Maybe it's good what? that I'm out of these sports. <laughs> Oh shit! Watch out for Houston next year, damn dude. <laughs> oh god. Which position would it would it have been for Paris? So I would have been GM. Nine K would have been head coach, and then uh, we probably would have brought Rush in as well as like either like a co head coach situation or so- something along those lines, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you think like that would have created the same pull for the players that ended up on Paris? It would have been. It would have been basically the same situation, except I would have been there, if that makes sense. So, I, like, I think if Rush joined the team, then it would have been the same team. Right. Just because he had so much pull with, like, the element mystic people. And then right. I know the French people really, really liked uh, 9K. So I think it would have been, like, a pretty similar environment. But, you know, I, that's kind of, like, I, I can't really feel too much regret because, like, I don't want to just be on the team and just, like, work and not have any impact i guess right. so it would have been kind of cheating in that sense and i did you know like we did so bad in houston but there were times where we were at least a solid team and i feel like and there are times where we were like really really struggling mm-hmm. so i feel like i learned a lot from like um how to avoid situations that lead to us like really struggling for the next year and then how to um make them the most out of like what little you have from from like the times we were solid because we were a solid double shield team, but then we we're bad at everything else. So I think Talk that about this, uh, yeah. no, 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 for, for season three, season three. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I think, um, I think that like one of the, I guess one of the good lessons it taught me was like how to make the most out of what you have or like how to play to your strengths. So that was definitely a good thing. And then I think that the, the thing that it helped me the most in terms of like what I struggled with was like, people management um there was just so many like like we had a full roster when we didn't really need to and Mm. it was constantly like um a lot of like conflict i would say so i think 
it taught it kind of taught me to like i need to address situations before they happen rather than like and and like kind of predict them rather than like being uh reactive so i tried to bring that into into season four and i think it did help with a few situations in particular but like overall um it was just mostly like a learning experience and like even if i was regretful i'm still glad that i did it um just to have those like lessons in mind yeah it sounds like there's a a lot of life lessons to be learned you know maybe maybe not to do certain things maybe to get (laughs) while the getting's good and uh enjoy a nice life elsewhere i I, you know (laughs) can't can't fault you for that the thing, like, for the, the horror stories that I've heard, I can't, uh, I can't blame anybody for getting out of that uh, inferno because that's, I think he, that's pretty hot. You're left on a high, though. I mean, like, oh, yeah. I'm, for all intents and purposes, Houston, you end up on a high. I think uh, that's better than a lot of people could say. Mm. Um, how was like the whole staff situation this year, though? Because it was quite interesting. You, you both had a, a a person who was a player and a coach in Jake. You had a person who was an ex player moving to a GM role from uh, Cool Matt. And then you were code head coaching with Junkbuck, right? So it was like a lot of different, from my perspective, stuff going on from from the staff POV, which was uh, not, I would say, standard across most of uh, most of the teams. So like, how did you guys work through who's doing what and all that kind of stuff? I think every so I think every coaching staff, like regardless of title, just has to like figures out a way that they work um, at the beginning of the year, and then you know maybe they have to patch that up and and evolve throughout the year. But like, I think titles aren't really something that's that important because i know there's there's a lot of teams where potentially like an in-game leader is like the the head coach and then like an emotional leader is the assistant coach or vice versa or uh in in like in like houston uh junk was very much like um like an upfront person and then i was kind of like trying to do things behind the scenes if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so it, it it very much like it just depends on on how you work and like um like what personalities you have and stuff like that. Um, so I think, I think from that end, like it, it does look weird from the outside having like, uh, you know, having a co-head coach situation, which was unique this year and then having a player coach. Um, I think Jake in general tried to, tried to either be doing one thing or the other. So like if mm-hmm. he was playing, we just treat him like a player. And if he was coaching, mm-hmm. we treat him like a coach and, that generally came to that generally was like the me and junk's decision whether he was you know which one he was doing at, at any given time and then for matt matt has always been like very i would say mature so i mean he's he's old you know but he's been he's been um a mature person like as even as a player so i think he was doing stuff that a manager would do in season 3 like he was helping a lot on the org side and then it felt pretty natural for him to step into the gm role like as it as uh the offseason went on so like i don't he worked really well with me and junk when we were building the roster and then i think he like learned a lot from the first year as well of of his uh new role so -hmm. i think he um he he's he's a pretty good fit for a gm and i think he's he was really uh, helpful for us you kind of mentioned jake there for you know talking about um more intangible roles and and what those could mean and some of them are a little bit more indistinguishable um maybe it's more of a spectrum for certain people when you look at overwatch 2 um 
do you kind of lean more um we've debated this kind of on the show a little bit as well um so i'm interested in your thoughts are you, are you leaning more on the kind of uh would you lean more on the intangible front about looking at players who maybe are a little bit more team centric who have some sort of leadership qualities um at, at, at a higher weight than you would previously or are you you know more in the, the the bag of you know let's get the the hard hitters let's go mechanical skill over intangibles so i'm of the opinion and I, it doesn't seem like a common opinion amongst non-coaches i think that um my opinion is in line with i guess a decent amount of the coaches in terms of i think you should just find the best mechanical players and then if they're in an environment that they enjoy being in mm. uh they'll naturally be very communicative and like not need as much like microing around and stuff when all the all the best teams like so i guess when i was on uh vancouver or when i was on um houston when we were strong like whenever we're in those situations the players like had so much fun playing that they were like just communicative by default they didn't need like a strong central leader if you ask me like who's the igl of vancouver for example like i could say all six players uh that were starting would like have their moments of like being a leader in the game. Mm. So it's, I think naturally when you're, when you just have a strong team and they get comfortable with each other, it's not as important of a thing to, to figure out like the community, the communication will just naturally flow. Mm. Um, so I would just say getting the best mechanical players and making sure that they can communicate on like a, on a baseline level. And then, raising that bar higher and higher as the year goes on. I don't think you need yeah. like, I don't think you need like a mega mind who like, who like, <laughs> you know, controls everything behind yeah. the scenes. Right. I think that that's generally a bandaid fix for when teams are struggling is like having, mm. having someone micro them around, micro them around. And, um, I guess for example, like we did do that with Jake when, when we were struggling, we're like, okay, we need a voice to, mm-hmm. to lift us up. And then that would be that would be uh, part of the reason that Jake would come in sometimes is because he was able to to bring more like ideas to the team, and then that would naturally make everybody talk more. So I, I think as long as you have like a solid team, it'll um, it'll just happen naturally, basically. What what do you Jake think the mega mind? <laughs> what do you think about the idea then? Because like some teams, let's say Washington or whatever, have have said like you can't just like stack the best player in each role and expect them to have results. You think that that's probably like misguided and they should have like just mega stacked their backline as well. And like, even if they have egos, it doesn't matter as long as you're crushing. Like, you know. I mean, they didn't, they didn't stack their, they didn't stack their roster. And you saw, you saw like, you know, the level of talent compared to the level of results. So it's like, yeah. it's like, yeah, I think if they if they did, like they wouldn't have been subbing Tuba in for Brig and stuff like yeah. that. I think that they would have absolutely been a more solid team if they had like a stronger backline. So I, I don't I don't know. Every strong team that I've seen has not been strong from from having some like having like it's they the the they're not strong because of their communication is is my thing. The communication mm. happens because they're strong. So so like, if you look at let's say let's see like the teams that are that are strong right it's season um one new york season one london season two vancouver season two shock uh shock onwards like uh shanghai onwards philly season three like all of those teams 
are just mechanically insane. They're not like I can't tell you right now. Like, and and okay. Um, another example is Shanghai season three to Shanghai season four. Like, Fate is more communicative than Fearless, from what I've heard. But like, they were a really strong team in both seasons, and they changed their style in both. Like, it just happens when you have a strong team. It's not. It's not a result of having like um communication. If that makes sense. Mm. How sense. do you um? Now that you're kind of out of teams and out of the league a little bit, um, and you know maybe you'll want to hold a, a, something close to chess because you don't want to leak Houston strategy or anything uh, for their sake. But like now that you're kind of out of teams, out of the league, like what's what? How would you go about heading into the next game? I've watched you next year. Like if you were on a team, like what are, what are kind of the, the, your strategy, your kind of insight on how to I how you supposed to manage this offseason? I do it shocked it and buy proper and bring his friends and and build around that. <laughs> I think so. Basically, think, what you said before: get some mechanical gods, build around yeah. that, and then see what happens. I think. I mean, I think Houston did a good thing too, where they, uh, where they got um, Iris okay. Pelican, retained Dante, retained Piggy. Like those are all really strong mechanical players, and there obviously there's rumors of of uh, another player. So, like, I think just find the strongest mechanical players, start um, getting them integrated with each other like early on, and then, and then results will come of that. Like. As long as they have fun playing together, it's it's bound to work out, I think. What's interesting is that you kind of have worked on a team in the past that has done some, something similar. Um, and with recent news coming out that, you know, uh, one of my favorite players, I'll be biased here, uh, Choi Hyobin did end up retiring. Um, I, I, I kind of was interested in, in hearing maybe on the, the more human side on who, who Choi Hyobin really was, maybe how he got into the league. I don't know if you have any kind of uh, information regarding that. So I guess um, obviously season one, I worked with him and then mm. uh, I probably a span of like four or five months total. And then I think I would say like, from what I've heard, he's evolved more and more as like time went on. So I wasn't part of it, but I talked to him like somewhat frequently. I would say that like he came in not being able to distinguish between uh, if he heard like four people talking in English with different very different tones or very different like uh voices he wouldn't be able to distinguish who was saying what <laughs> so he came in very very low leveled and then like was super driven to like communicate and improve and at at some point he was like competing with nevix for playtime in stage four i think of uh mm-hmm. season one and then obviously like took the took the spot and overtook nevix and he was just very motivated to improve um he was he was very like friendly like nice i think that from what I've heard, he's like always kept the shock environment good, especially when like when that team was struggling. I I heard it got like pretty bad, but I heard Choi was always kind of like the person that that tried to tried to be like the the good guy, if that makes sense. Like he, he would um, try not to let it affect him the most, and I think that's why all the shock people really like enjoyed having him. He's just like a really nice guy, and you like you want to hug him. He's like a big teddy bear, so. <laughs> Any other like any any cool moments from the shock? Because we kind of talked about your time on you know your previous teams, uh, especially Houston, also Vancouver. But like any dude, shock feel when you were on the shock for season, that feels like forever ago now. So I'm even barely remembering what happened that season. But obviously, shock ended up making some big changes and becoming champions. Um, uh, this is the one time like after you left, they became champions. But <laughs> I mean, how was how was that year for you? Because it was like the first. I mean, I, I suppose everyone was just kind of learning, right? Everyone was just kind of figuring yeah. out what of what he was i think that was the thing everybody was learning so like 
nobody knew what anybody like all the teams all 12 teams except for it seems like new york didn't know what they were doing uh and that's why new york was just a step ahead of like every single team in the league until obviously they faltered in playoffs and and you know all the sandbagging stuff and everything but i think that i think that like everybody was learning and then i had to just like take in a lot because it was my first year coaching in in esports as well i think stage four was like one of my favorite times in all of my Overwatching experience, though, because it's when mm. when uh, Krusty came in and like Nine K came in, uh, Chris, who's the uh, the GM now, uh, came in, and we're all like getting to know each other. Uh, we're like, I think Krusty really wanted to make like a very close environment where everybody is like familiar with or like friendly with everybody. So we were always like drinking every night while we were watching scrims and and. Nice. It, it was definitely bad for our livers, but it was we like became very close during that time, and I think that like looking back, um, it's definitely the best environment to have like staff in is like where everybody's super close. So I think mm. that was, um, obviously one of the better times that I've had in Overwatch League. Obviously, that that got a lot harder with COVID uh, in season three, but you know it. Uh, I think teams are in a better situation now, where you can actually go out and stuff like that. So, um. I think that was probably the time I learned the most from just from like how to how to bring people closer together and and um it's it's kind of like we saw the most improvement during that time as well so yeah. I think that's also why uh it stuck with me a lot I mean you've had a a, a really long and um you know some really great highs in your career obviously season 2 of Vancouver was fantastic and uh, and then you again, you leave on a big high with uh, Houston having probably one of, if not their best season as a franchise ever. So, you know, um, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for being part of TCP episode 200. Any like final words to, you know, maybe Houston fans or anybody that is kind of wondering what's the future looking like now, or maybe specifically for you and like, you know, where you're going, moving on from here. Any final shout outs from your end? I think Houston fans can be happy because I think that. I think that the team is definitely going to be the strongest team they've made going into next year. So, I mean, that, that much looks clear, at least from what, what they've announced and, you know, the leaks and stuff like that. So that I think they can definitely look forward to. Um, for me personally, I'm probably going to be off the grid for a couple months. And then next year when Overwatch League starts, I'll, I'll try and put out content somewhat regularly. So we'll see about that. I don't know if I'll stick to that, but that's what I'm aiming to do. Um, but yeah, I... You know, wish everybody in the Overwatch League luck, everybody around the Overwatch League luck. Um, we'll see where this game goes. I think that I think that a lot rides on on next season. Um, if Overwatch Two is a success, then I think we're all happy. And if it's not, then then I'll be <laughs> I'll be out here looking at everybody with you know pity in my eyes, and, and <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> oh man I, I we'll see what happens i think absolutely a lot of stuff will ride on how things go next year so we'll all be watching with a lot of interest i'm sure but yeah again thank you so much for coming on the show um love talking with you and and look maybe next year uh looking towards content you want to do some content we should collab again and we'll get into some 2022 stuff but thanks again harsha thank you guys for having me boom we got albert Dickerboyer from the uh, Florida Mayhem here finally joining us as, you know, how are you doing, man? How how have things been? You obviously have been very busy in the offseason as every single yeah. team has. You've made some pretty decent moves. But uh, 
it's a wild off season for you, buddy. Yeah, it's been. I mean, I think this is probably the fastest off season I can remember. Like, it's been what, like a month max since the season ended, and everyone, mm-hmm. I at least most of the Western teams are pretty much done, or like ninety percent of the way done. I would say in terms of roster building. Um, so yeah, it's been a been a pretty pretty crazy off season. Was this just like a wild mad dash? Like everyone, every single team's like, well, that that team's making some fast moves. I got to get going. And just, then every single team just like gets gets really quick to make moves. Yeah, I mean, as I said before, like it's just an arms race. Like once I forget, I don't know which team first pulled the tr- like pulled the trigger first, but once people started open trials, people started signing players. Then every other team was like, we can't sit around and wait because all these yeah. players are getting snatched up. Like. We have to. We also have to compete. We also have to move up our our own off season plans. So that's kind of what happened. I wish there was like some sort of embargo mm. until like next year, or maybe until we see like the Overwatch two beta, because it'd be great to right. actually trial on like Overwatch two instead of Overwatch one. But you know, here we are. So and then the opposite things happens, and you have like one of the fastest off seasons ever. Where like I don't even know what the next game looks like yet, and then you just have this like really speedy, expedited off season. Damn. Um, yeah. But so yeah, like, I mean, basically, we're Iron Man. Like we built built a roster in a cave in like two weeks. Perhaps essentially is what happened. Like it, it's quality. It, you got that Mark one suit. Hey, still a quality suit. Still a quality suit. The Mark ones. It, it works. It's it's yeah. very good. No, the, so the the parts aren't you know the scraps are us the 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 players we signed they're not they're not scraps. Just yeah, you still got Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. You you still yeah. got you still have Iron Man. Don't get me wrong. So <laughs> the floor is the cave, and the players are Tony Stark or, or the actual Iron Man itself. Um, before we get into like your anything to do with your roster going forward, anything like that. Like, I mean, just how was your year, man? Like from your perspective, how was twenty twenty one? How was the season? Um, you know, you could even go as far back as transitioning from 2020 into 2021 and a bit of a retrospective on how the year went for you from your POV. Um, I think it was disappointing for sure, given how good the prior year was for us, um, season three. Mm. Uh, so this being, you know, we just had finished season four, um, I had higher expectations, um, wanted to at least bare minimum make playoffs and we missed it by one win um yeah i don't know it was, it was disappointing for sure but i don't i still think we made given the information we had at the time and what options were available to us when we signed those players um or signed our roster rather i i think we still made the best decisions that we could um just didn't mm-hmm. pan out and our strength of schedule definitely didn't help mm-hmm. uh us to qualify for for playoffs um but yeah, I mean that's kind of a slowly forgot, not forgot, but like slowly kind of pushed that, compartmentalized that, and kind of focused on the future um, this past month. So I guess like some some good lessons then from the season, you know, some some takeaways to take with you for future seasons. Because I mean, I, I on paper your 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 players are still really solid across the board. I mean, I totally agree that you know for for what you had at the time and the information, all that kind of stuff, you kind of picked up the pieces you felt were like really good. And I, you know, I look at your team and I think, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, I think for last season, it was let's invest in some veteran talent. Um, let's get a team full of vets and hope we can make a deep playoff run using vets on um, kind of this season. It's 
the opposite kind of rebuild year where we're really focusing on like being having a young core um and having you know a, a, a lot of rookies uh mm-hmm. and a lot of unproven talent at least at the L level um because I for us when we trialed we decided me and Gumba we, when we talked about it it was like he really wanted to filter for mechanics um because we thought like just a rush to a new game nobody knows how that game is going to play um and we think having strong mechanical players will give us an advantage at least for the first half of the season when people are still figuring out the game um and then hopefully we'll hit a power spike when you know everything clicks we everyone understands the game flow plus the you know plus add on the mechanics and we have a really good shot of uh of doing really well in in the season so that's kind of where we're where our heads at for next season what what do you think is is that the reason why the transfer market seems to be so quick in terms of like just rushing for the most many mechanically um impressive players and that's that sort of kicked it off because that's expected to be the one thing that sort of lasts the transition from overwatch one to overwatch two or is there any other like business aspect that made it opportune to just like go hard early or what's the reason because theoretically speaking from the outside it looks like you should wait long because we don't even have the freaking game yet right well you should wait long but when your competition isn't waiting then you you know you have to you have to keep up the competition right um, it's like a prisoner's dilemma right yeah i mean like you're looking at these players like oh i'm not sure if he's good but then some other teams sure they're good or like they're sure enough that they're willing to give them a contract and then you're just sitting there you can't just twiddle your thumbs, right? You have to figure out, okay, who's the best that we can get now since the timeline is right now? Um, and that's what we had to do. So, I, you know, after I, after I uh, hired Gumba, we just plugged away, like, for about a week and a half, maybe two weeks now, like, at this point, been up to, like, 5 a.m. just talking Overwatch, talking strategy, talking, like, recruitment, talking, you know, every, everything that we're looking at, deep diving on VODs of players that we've trialed. Um, so, yeah, we've been in the lab for, like, the past two weeks um, just working away at the roster. What do you think the alternative is? Like in terms of, let's say you're a team that, I mean, there are t- some teams that have now zero players like Valiant and whatnot. Is there a world where that ends up being advantageous in some way because they waited so long and now they still have their full budget left and can like see how, which players actually are good in the game? Or is, is the January deadline for five players already like destructive towards that goal? So I think that's Valiant's an interesting situation. Um, I'm not sure what the roster direction is for next year. If it's still Chinese, I think it's uh, or mainly or you know if it's still a full Chinese roster, I think that doesn't they don't really necessarily need to move their timeline up because right now it's mostly the Western teams that are moving fast. I think the only other team in APAC that's or I guess there's two teams that have announced right. It's just Guangzhou and Seoul that have announced pickups. Um, where whereas Guangzhou is picking up, I guess not like star players, but like uh, like they announced develop right. I just want to make sure like I'm not. Yeah, yeah. They've also retained their roster. Like they announced <laughs> develop, but they retained so many players that yeah. I think Guangzhou already have five. Yes, because the most of the most of the roster from this season from 2021 is still there. Maybe yeah. So I think, and, but from my understanding, most of the APAC teams were trialing at like a. I think they they're starting a trial in like November, whereas I'm pretty sure every team in the West is done yeah. or wrapping up at this point. It's like then yeah, so we we kind of finish in October. 
Um, so I, I don't know why they decided to do it later. I mean, but there's still, I think it's fine for the most part. There's still a lot of Korean talent and mm-hmm. Chinese talent left for them to kind of pick yeah. from. And some Koreans and some Chinese players like only want, they want to stay in China or they want to stay in the APAC region, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some players that, some Korean players that sign with Western teams that perhaps, you know, the APAC teams would, would want in, in hindsight, um, but they were just yeah. too slow on. I, that, I mean, I actually, that kind of really makes me think about it a little bit as well, because I just realized, if, uh, you're right, if Valiant are going Chinese again, they kind of have a, they don't have a monopoly over the Chinese market, but like they're only competing with like two other teams, Hangzhou Spark mm. and Guangzhou Charge. Shanghai's yeah. locked up, therefore Seoul's not going to go for Chinese players. Um, I don't know if Philly would, but, you know, really Valiant can, they can afford to take their time because they can just access the full Chinese pool that most of the teams aren't going to go towards for one reason or another. Um, so, yeah, maybe they'll be okay. And Hangzhou Spark just announced they were doing open trials recently, so they're just starting trials. And you guys have finished. Um, I'm trying to think what, what other teams are doing open trials in, in the West, but they're pretty much all done, right? So you guys kind of speed ran through that entire thing and um, landed in, I, I'm, I'm going to say, a pretty good place. But I actually want to go back to one of your earlier hiring decisions, which is actually your coaching staff, because sure. you made some changes there. Obviously, Kuki's gone. Um, Gumba got added. Tiny bit of, con- I'll just say, tiny bit of controversy there in terms of other people commenting, like, "Oh, yeah, okay, you got somebody who wasn't in the game for a year. He was off doing Valorant." Yeah. Um, obviously, pers- this, is, this isn't for me because personally, I know Gumba pretty well. I know what he is, how he is to work with him, who he's his person, his quality. But I mean, like, what what is it from your perspective? Like, why did you pick Gumba? I mean, uh, so I have a I have a comment for the people that were like, oh, he's gone for a year. What changed in Overwatch for a year? Literally, what changed? Like, no new heroes, like, no new balance, maps. Yeah. It's the, some minor balance, but, like, for the most part, it's the same game, right? Like, yeah. there, there wasn't any, like, drastic changes where he comes back and, like, oh, he doesn't understand the game anymore, right? Like, that, yeah. like that, that just seemed kind of ridiculous to me to use the one-year thing. Because the game is the same, um, it's the same, it's the same game that he left essentially with the you know some minor some better balance right, um, but uh, you know all the here all the abilities were the exact same, um, so yeah, uh, but and and then kind of back to your question on the contra- uh on why we picked him, I think it was just the perfect person to build a roster. Um, I needed I needed a person that, a roster builder first mm-hmm. and foremost because we I have zero I had. You know, now everyone, now I can talk about, like, we had plans, we were shopping Yaki around and trying to figure out the best team um, for him uh, in conjunction with him, shopping around to different full Korean rosters, um, you know, mixed rosters, literally just getting, just getting gauging interest from the league in general. Um, So we were shopping him for pretty much the entire offseason because we knew moving into uh, next season that we were extremely light like basically 99 percent guaranteed to go mixed um and mm. yaki what didn't you know express the strong desire to be in a full korean team um, or a full korean speaking team um and so he was like basically you know he he didn't want to be there um or he'd rather not be there if it was a mixed roster um and so it's like okay fine i never want to keep especially a star player like i never want to keep a play i mean any player in a place that they don't want to be i just think that's mm. just bad practice like it doesn't i don't know I, I want i want all the players that i have on my roster to want to be there to want to play 
um, in mm-hmm. Florida. And I think having someone that their, you know, their desire, their motivations lie elsewhere. Um, you know, let's do our best. It's, especially a player's town as as Yaki, I knew we could figure out something that was both beneficial for the org from like a buyout standpoint, and also from, you know, hopefully from his his perspective, um, helping him land on a better team, um, a better fit rather for him. So basically going in, zero people on the roster. We knew we were shopping Yaki. Like Yaki was not part of our next year, our plan for next year. Um, I needed a head coach first, and then I needed a head coach that could immediately jump in and start organizing trials and do like the urgency and do exactly what type of roster we wanted to build. Um, and after talking with different coaches, uh, he had, you know, I didn't even know he wanted to come back to Overwatch. It was just kind of a shot in the dark because um, we were discussing uh, just discussing another game. And then I was like, huh, I, while I'm talking to Gumba, I was like, oh, well, he used to coach Overwatch. I still need an Overwatch League head coach. I wonder if he'd want to come back. Um, and so it took me like one, took me one message. And he was like, oh, yeah, probably a good time to come back. And so that's basically how that happened. <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I had talked to him as well as he was um, heading towards the end of his time on IGC with with Valorant. It's like, uh, and he was just kind of chilling and coming back to Australia, chilling a little bit and just kind of figuring out what his next steps were. So um, it all kind of just timing wise married up perfectly because he kind of, he was just available in the off season and boom, uh, I'm glad to see him on a team. So any team that he's on is like, I'm behind that team hundred percent. So, you know, um, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, it, I'm liking what I'm seeing straight away. And then you added, you added McGravy as well. Another person, again, for me, I, I, someone I know yeah. somewhat well, I know reasonably why I talked to McGravy. I've, I've done streams and content with him, but he was another person that like, I think for a lot of outsiders or a lot of people looking in from the outside, they're like, Oh, it was a bit of a strange decision. Why, why pick McGravy? This guy hasn't done that much coaching, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you, what do you say to that? Yeah. I was like talking about controversial. I was Gumba was, wasn't controversial compared to gravy in terms of, the reaction that he got when when we announced him mm. um so i think a lot of people don't i think that i think so what i thought was if there was any other if it was any other pro player especially like a korean pro player that turned coach there have been no controversy like i've never seen any backlash from a pro player turning a coach or becoming coach like i've i don't remember any any pro player that became a coach that people were you know, like, oh, he doesn't deserve it. Or like, oh, like, he doesn't mm-hmm. understand the game. I think Gravy was the first one that I can remember where people were like, oh, he hates the game. Like, you know, he shouldn't get a chance. Like, he should talk mayhem. It's like, it's like all those are like, he tw- like he tweets. Like, he's a public figure. Like, he's a streamer. He's going to make some tweets, you know? He's going to tweet. He's going to tweet when, like, mayhem's doing bad. Um, You know, he- but, like, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I, he wanted to be here. Um, and he does VOD reviews. Like, I would say to anyone that, like, questions his ability to analyze the game, like, just go over, go to his VODs, go to his YouTube, like, look over his, he has, pl- he's analyzed plenty of OWL games. Um, and that's actually, for, when I was talking to Gumba, I was like, okay, who do you want to bring over? Because for every head coach, like, I think it's normal practice for most GMs, you talk to your head coach, like, okay, you can bring, you know, you get to pick your, your coaching staff, right? Like, it's your team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'll give you a short list of candidates. Um, actually, Gravy was the assistant coach candidate for the other two head coach candidates that I interviewed. So Gumba was like the third, the third, uh, like a third head coach, head coach candidate. Um, and, you know, I was like, Hey, thoughts on working with gravy. No, you guys work with Valiant in the past. Um, the other two coaches uh, that I interviewed, um, they were going to, they were going to pick him up 
as their assistant coach um because they wanted like a player coach type of uh they wanted a player coach uh as as their as their first assistant coach um doesn't mean we're not picking up a third one um but just start from start from there we also had to run trials um gravy is also closer to the scene um because gumbo was away for a year so he wasn't as familiar with like the current talent whereas gravy provides that additional context along with mm. myself we could kind of cover like oh hey this is what happened in the year this is where the talents are um so that's how we felt that was how we were able to filter out like when we did the the trial sign up looked at all the players me and gravy went through it was like okay like these players we think have promised these players you know, maybe they're unknown you know who should we trial who should we um because we had to be very selective of our trials because we had to catch up uh we were already behind uh behind the other western teams in terms of trialing so we had to accelerate our trials and be very like be very um picky with who we we brought to trial um because we didn't have much time so yeah i mean gravy i think he's a i've worked with him before um obviously we you know he was on mayhem for a brief period of time i think he's a great guy i think you know i'm not hiring him like the stuff that he tweets is like very different from like his coaching like it's like I feel like people can't separate like oh this guy's shit posting and then like you know he's an actual good coach. Um, yeah, but just separate the, the persona from the real person, right? Yeah, like you're like oh like this guy that just like dresses up as Diva and like tweets at Halsey, right? Like that's what they think of him. <laughs> um, but like yeah, he's a pro player. Like he has, I'd say a lot of pro players make you know they under just because they haven't coached doesn't mean they don't understand the game or you know they haven't. They don't have leadership qualities. Like they were a player, especially for McGravy, the type of player he was. Like he wasn't the most mechanically gifted player. He was a, he kind of was like a leader, a caller, um, and that's kind of how he played the off tank position. Um, so I think he brings a lot to the table um, from that experience of just being like essentially a player coach in the server um, mm-hmm. when he was a pro player, and then now, you know, as an actual coach. Just just to clarify so nobody misunderstands, when you're saying you wanted a player coach, you mean you wanted a player that transitioned to coaching, not like someone like Jake who can play and coach at the same time, right? Yeah, no, no, no. He's, a, he's, the, he's not a... Yeah, I'm he's sure Graham would be a good backup, like, a, like an emergency sub. Yeah, we, we have an off tank already, so, you know, tank position's full. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But how do you know how that works? Are they just signed onto full uh, player contracts? I assume, right? Well, you have to be signed on a player contract to play in the Overwatch League. So yeah, right. So Dream's dead unless you give him a contract mid-season, I guess. Yeah, I give him a little thirty-day. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna say it's never like I don't know. I'm not gonna say it's never gonna happen, but very <laughs> extremely unlikely it's gonna happen. <laughs> um, and we'd be we'd be in we'd be in dire straits if. If we had to put Gravy in as tank, yeah, yes, because yes, because just asking because you got the mayhem fans are like, oh, but what about the OG checkmate thing again? You know, you know, yeah. it wouldn't be the first time. But <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I mean, between between our two tanks and mirror and checkmate, I feel like we should be good <laughs> on tanks. Yeah, he's like number five with the ranking. But Gravy's yeah, like I, fifth I in line to play tank. <laughs> <and> then... <laughs> Because Mira can play off tanks, checkmate. You know, I I don't know. I mean, he's played tank at the owl level. Who knows? Like, I I don't know. Between between those four, I think we should have tank covered this year. Oh I really don't see us eating gravy. Yeah, 
one position you're like dude okay we we've, we've gone through four people for one position now that would be insane uh because you uh, so you mentioned um a bit more of the extent of roster here like so and also i think earlier uh when we we're talking you you kind of saying that uh at some stage you realize you're probably going to go mixed i mean like what what's the sort of timeline there for you or like the thinking of how the team was going to evolve between the 2021 roster and the 2022 roster and your sort of philosophy in that transition I think just looking at the market and assessing our budget and what would give us the most bang for our buck. Um, and it was, it was just very clear. It had to be mixed. I think initially the Western market, it could be, could have been full Western, but then as the off season went on, it seemed like every single team was trying to go Western. So when more teams are going Western, that inflates like the prices mm. of the players. <laughs> Um, and so then there's these Korean free agents and it was like, okay, well, we'd be dumb not to pick up, you know, a Korean free agent that if we thought, you know, at that position, they were better than their Western counterparts at and cheaper, um, in some cases. And so for us, then there's like, okay, well, looks like we're gonna have to go, we're gonna, we're gonna go mix because it just makes more sense in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of being competitive in the league next year. Is there like a role that you currently look at in the in the market and go like, okay, there's there's like a scarcity here? Because I think I remember, for instance, last season, like Western Flex DPS were pretty hard to come by, right? For instance, that was one. Is there something well, I mean, like this? Flex, Flex DPS in general, <laughs> there's really not. It's like a super top heavy position. Like I think there's their there's your like Fletas, your Yakis, your you know, I don't know. Like I always think of proper as like a hit scan flex more than a like a flex, like when oh, I think flex DPS, I think, dude. huh? He's everything, dude. He's yeah, yeah. Like, you can't like even a... put him in a basket. It's just too hard. <laughs> yeah, but when I think flex DPS, I think of maybe I'm more traditional. I think of like someone that can play all the projectile heroes plus like has you know or a significant number of the projectile heroes. Whereas for proper, yeah. it's like he can play all the hit scan heroes for sure and has some projectile heroes, right? Like I don't know if he can play every single projectile hero. He's got the Hanzo, Genji, Farah, Echo. Unless you're talking, unless we're getting into the Junkrat territory, like Junkrat, your maze, your oh, he has played May. He actually has or... played some May as well because uh, he had to. Oh, he had he, he's had some other people take the hit scans on his role. So this is the funny thing, Albert, is when you look back at his history, his DPS partners outside of Pelican have been like hit scan players like Merit and Kilos. So he's had to move into those May kind of positions, right? So Proper's kind of done both sides. Yeah, he's on both sides now, but it's like in out like, yeah. what what is he? You know. What is he actually, right? Like, I think, same thing with Glister, right? Glister played a ton of positions. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I think, I feel like he's, because I, I watched a lot of Proper back when he was on O2 with Pelican, and Pelican obviously played most of the projectiles, and Proper was yeah. really focused on, like, the Tracer and the hit scan. Like, both of them can play Tracer, yeah. obviously, but Proper was more on the, looked really, really good, like, top tier on the hit scan. Not that he's not top tier on the other projectiles, but I just think, as a base, like, he started there, and, like, he's, yeah. he's grown as a player. Um, but when I think flex DPS, like traditionally speaking, like okay, well, I mean, I'll throw him in there. That's fine. Like proper, proper leave, um, profit, Kevster maybe, Yaki Kevster, yeah. And it's like, I feel like those are like your superstar level flex DPSs, and then after that, it's like, you know, that there's there's a there's a wide there's like a a wide range oh. of players after that that are you know either not quite 
don't quite have as large of a hero pool as those players because flex DPS generally have your largest hero pools yeah. in terms of DPS, um, or just aren't as talented on as many heroes. I, so I want to, yeah. I want to ask you about your flex DPS. By the way, on on checkmate, I think we can define him as that. Um, yeah. In that, what was the trajectory for him over the year? Because obviously he he didn't really get to play. I assume it's because he was playing behind Yaki. There's just no way he was going to play over Yaki unless you're going to have a double flex DPS thing, right? And then there was the whole OG thing. He had a, a, a bit of a time on the main tank. And um, then you sort of mentioned you you started from zero again because you weren't really planning on retaining Yaki. Uh, so you, you didn't have checkmate, but then you brought him back. So how how was that journey happening for you? Um, so we're just open-minded. We, let, uh, we released checkmate earlier in the year. Um, God, I said in the year. It was like a month ago. But <laughs> we released them earlier <laughs> last season, um, and then we just had trials, and we we're just like, I didn't, I didn't tell Gumbo what I thought of Checkmate. I didn't tell Gravy what I thought of Checkmate. I was just like, uh, I didn't prime the pump at all. I was just, hey, let's run trials. We should definitely trial Checkmate. Like he's, by, like he's, you know, he's a ranked demon, so like he was high up there in terms of SR. Um, and you know, let's see what happens. And he just, he performed like extremely well in trials, like. Yeah. just blew us away um i think i think a lot I, I was reading on the forums like a lot of people don't know that checkmate plays a lot of tracer like he can play tracer because people were looking at rosh like oh who plays tracer it's like it's you know checkmate has a tracer um oh, but it's all the people on reddit that have never watched contenders career they don't know about checkmate properly i i knew about checkmate yeah they just I've checkmate the, guy the main tank yeah. Yeah, they only know about Checkmate, the main <laughs> tank, the Chad mate. That's all they know. Yeah. Oh, um, but man. he's got a really, really solid he's got a really, really good tracer. Like I was we were watching, I was like, I honestly I swear Checkmate like leveled up in the off season, which was only I guess a month, but I don't know. I mean he was he was trialing for a bunch of teams, um, so he was he was warm to say the least. Uh and he just blew us away in, in trials and Gumbo was like, who is this guy? I was like, oh yeah, that's a guy we had on our team just sitting on the bench last year because we had Yaki. Um, and then we we're like, okay, like he's, he's going to be our starting flex DPS. Like he's just by far, in a way, the best flex DPS uh, that we trialed. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of how that happened. There's only one more play I'm curious about as, yeah. as we start to head towards the end of this now, but um, you guys are bringing back Adam. So... He's probably a player that a lot of people like. I mean, I would I would imagine most fans don't really really know him because he kind of like didn't get to play at all. So, what what did you guys see in him uh, in terms of giving him that shot to come back? Like, what's your sort of reasoning there? Or yeah, so um, we had so we had two different trials. So we had because we were trialing EU slash NA talent, and we were also trialing like Korea region talent or APAC however you want to say it. Um, and Adam's part of like the US West trials or trial with Koreans. Uh, and so he was in like a pretty, pretty stacked Korean block. I would say it was just like him and like, I think he might've been the only Westerner. Um, and he really like outperformed, uh, you know, the, the Korean off tank that we had um, on the other team um, by a lot. And so wow. he looked really good in, he looked really good in trials. Um, we kind of assessed and as we kind of fleshed out what we wanted in the tank position um, and what kind of player that we needed, like what heroes that we needed um, Adam to cover um, or, you know, the off tank, it became clear that like Adam fit really well into what we wanted the off tank position uh, or a second tank to cover in terms of hero pool. 
Um, so yeah, he just did really well in trials. Um, I did actually want to talk about our DPS rotation because mm-hmm. I think, um, I think at this point in time, I think our full DPS line has been released. So it's going to be Hydron, Mirror, and Checkmate. Um, and I think with those three, like they all fit. Like everyone fits. Like there's not there's overlap on the key heroes, but mm-hmm. there's not too much overlap. So like we're not picking up like the same player right like mirror and checkmate have different hero pools like they have some of the same but you know mirror covers like mirror just helps round out everything plus gives us flex options um at tank um i don't know if we'll play him on support hoping that you know that doesn't happen but like hey you know if if it happens or if some some dps becomes a support um or if like doomfist becomes tank like he could be our starting (laughs) he could be our starting tank right um Mm. I think Mirror probably has the best Doom on the team. Um, haven't seen Checkmate's Doom in a minute, but just from like when we're constructing, it's like, okay, what is what are what are the heroes that Mirror covers? Like, okay, he offers us a lot of flex. He's like the Swiss Army knife. Like, he can he offers us a lot of like flexibility at all positions. He's basically an insurance policy, right? Just like yeah. if we have holes, like he can he can learn those heroes. He can he can cover those holes. Um, any holes that we have. Or if there's like a silly hero meta where you know we're playing Torb or, <laughs> or Junk Rat or or a lot of dudes. One of these new but, heroes, who knows? Yeah, no, I mean, and and he covers. You know, he has some standard heroes too. Um, mm-hmm. it's just just covers everything. And then Hydron, hard hit scan. Um, also can play Tracer. Um, but Hydron would be our you know our dedicated hit scan hit scan flex. He's got some flexibility there, but you know, obviously, he he'll cover most of like the hit scan heroes that we need. When it comes to, you know, kind of uh, at least last question for me, um, at least from past memory, I know that you're, you know, a big basketball head. So I was kind of interested to see where you kind of think, you know, the, the 2022 mayhem maybe aligns with maybe uh, an NBA team. Any any kind of similarities, any comparisons that you might draw? Like, oh, yeah, we're feeling like yeah. we, we kind of look like the Bucks, but like we play like the Pistons, but, you know. I'm just trying to pull any kind of NBA teams that can come to my mind. I know the Pistons suck. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a hipster roster, I would say. Like you look at okay. roster and it's like if you look at the players and if you like deeply understand Overwatch or like deeply follow Al and like are are into it, like you're like, oh wow, mm-hmm. this is like a pretty solid roster, right? But I feel like to like a casual fan, it's like these guys suck. You know, but it's like <laughs> But like if you're a hipster, like you're like, okay, there's like there's some exciting talent here. Like, I think you have to watch T2 to know these guys, right? A little yeah, bit. I mean, I also like look at the ages of our, of our team. Like yeah. we signed, we're going to have like third, uh, we're going to have a bunch of 17 year olds. I think the oldest yeah. player, oldest player would probably be 20 unless we sign. Oh. Yeah. Probably 20 or yeah. I mean, that might be our oldest player like mirrors <laughs> right now. Like mirror and checkmate are like a two oldest players at 20. Um, so it's like a super young core. Mm. Um, maybe it's hard because like the NBA has drafts, right? And sure. so it's hard for me to categorize. So who's like, like an NBA team that's on the younger side, maybe a little bit more in the weeds of like, okay, you really got to look at the numbers. You really got to look at the stats, you know, maybe, maybe worse than fans give them credit for or better than fans give them credit for other way around. For some reason, I'm either leading rockets or pistons because rockets have a bunch of young rookies that they drafted as well um probably one of those two teams uh 
but like I, I think Pistons is weird because like Cade Cunningham's pick one. It's like we don't that'd be like yeah. proper essentially, and we don't have proper. So that's kind of a weird one to me. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, you, you and nineteen teams don't have proper. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying it's just weird because like the piss because that's like I don't know. Anyways, I think it's like any any young NBA team that has like a lot of promise, um, mm. a lot of upside. I think that's us. Uh, just underdog team, um, a lot of fight. Uh, I think it's gonna be. I think I would consider ourselves the most interesting team once it's all built or finalized. Yeah. Like I think we're gonna be the most interesting team in the league. Like in terms of like roster build, um like potential pop-off potential and uh mm. just we're, we're gonna be a fun team to watch next year like i'm, I'm almost i'm positive like, oh yeah we're, we're watch tv like you're, you're gonna want want to watch like people like seven players at least five different nationalities like duke it out like it's a it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun season i mean give me some behind the scenes content too if you can i'm sure there'll be some some real cool stuff back there a little bit of mcgravy on the side um, no, I don't, you guys are, you guys, the roster's looking solid. It's looking like the United Nations a little bit. It's like, just like yeah. collecting flags out there. Yeah, but just like, what, what, what flag don't we have? What nationality haven't we collected on this team yet? But it's just, um, actually super solid. Young, hungry, motivated team. Uh, the type of team that a lot of people probably are not going to be putting super high on their, 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 what is it, their tier list or whatever like that, you know, or, or that kind of BS that people will do in the off season. Um, but I think you guys are, are going to be looking good. As I said earlier, man, like any team where you've put people that I have a lot of faith in, like Gumba and, and yeah. others, you know, I'm I'm all behind that. So it's a very it's a very Gumbo roster. Like I was looking at our when we were looking at potential rosters, and then this roster came in front. I was like, I was like, this feels very Gumba. <laughs> like yeah. this, it just feels he's like got a, a, he's, got a roster, he's got a like, trademark, doesn't he? He's got that kind of real trademark from from yeah. all the rosters that he's built in the past. Um, yeah, you're like. Kind of see the like, you can see the threads. You know, you can see like, you can see the thinking behind it, the intention behind the roster. Like, okay, this is a this is a Gumba style roster. There. Yeah. <laughs> Gumba style rosters now. Um, as we as we head off, man, any final shout outs and any sort of messages, probably maybe to the Mayhem fans. Like, uh, I mean, we've spent all episode talking about what they can look forward to, but you know, what's your closing message to the Mayhem fans as we head into next year? Yeah, I mean, disappointing season this past year. Um, I think. We've got an extremely exciting team um, heading into Overwatch 2, uh, hoping we can, you know, do our fans proud. But I think, you know, win or lose, like, our team's going to be super exciting to watch. It's going to be, we're going to be much wa- must-watch TV, as they say. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for, for next season. Um, and hopefully, you know, hopefully Overwatch 2 is a big success as well. And, uh, and we look back in a year and just go, wow, like, you know, who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> Who would, who would have thought Mayhem would be good next year? Um, so hopefully that's where we're at in a year. We did. We did right here. Remember where you were at this exact moment in time. All right. Well, thank you so much, Albert, for coming on uh, and giving us your time. And you know, thank you for being a part of TCB episode 200 here. We hope you guys have a fantastic season. And I'll definitely look, be looking forward to you know where Mayhem will be, uh, are going and some of that must-watch TV that I'll be tuning into. Thanks, man. Right. Thanks so much. Welcoming Baroy onto the show now for TCP episode 200. Welcome, welcome. And also thank you for uh, getting up at ungodly hours in the morning to make sure that, uh, you know, your Boston jersey, loud and proud in the background. We can just see it, just see the representation there. 
Um, something I didn't realize is you're, you're like actually physically in Vancouver right now. I'm like, oh, there you go. Well, congrats on Vancouver, but no, obviously you're still with Boston <laughs> as we head into the next year. How are you, man? Yes. How's, how's your year been? Uh, I'm good. Yeah, it's like uh, it's six a.m. right now, but um, I'm good. Off season is tweeting as well, you know. Uh so lots of lots of exciting things happening, and I guess pretty excited for Watch Two to come out slowly. Okay. <laughs> or when, whenever, There's whenever one German will. that's excited. The other one here is apathetic, to say the very least. So, the, the real you know, question. My point. For the dedicated fans, is have you seen any pandas in Vancouver? Do they have pandas yet? Pandas I don't know. Zoo. I That's went to idea. the aquarium. There were no pandas in the aquarium. <laughs> I oh, certainly would have. I went to see yeah, whales. They, they did have they did have some bears at the aquarium, but they were like all the white furred ones. They didn't have any of the black fur on. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, something different. happened there. Bleached or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they did have bears there, and they weren't eating bamboo. They were eating other things. I'm not too sure. But, um, Look, Baroy, you, know, you know, well-situated adults at 6 a.m. wouldn't be as destroyed as you are. Why are you on Gremlin hours? Are you guys scouting in Korean contenders or something like this? Hey, to be, to be fair, I usually wake up at like 8 a.m. Right. Um, but I played... Sonic the Hedgehog till 3 a.m. yesterday. So. Oh, which one? Which one? You have to tell. The people need to know. Sonic Adventure 2, I think. Yes, the best one. It's so I, good. I've never played it before. There's so many like people in our community that, that genuinely will enjoy that you just said that. So yeah, you're the real it's, one. It's like also, $1 on Humble Bundle. Or something yeah, it's really good. Also, you, just get, like, you can just watch VODs of Contenders Korea. This is like, not even... It's not live or anything. He doesn't have to like. Yeah, you know, oh, scrims, what time is it? I, I gotta. What? Uh, yeah, I, I expressed myself wrong. Uh, what I mean is like attending scrims and whatnot. You know, a oh, lot of a lot of the scrims. the guys that we will have on are completely destroyed by Korean Korean time zones at mm, the moment. I see. I see. Everyone's on my time zone. That's excellent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. How's your How's your year been though? So off season is pretty good for you. I want to get into some stuff in the off season soon, but how How is your twenty twenty one? Just generally speaking, do you have fun? Do you enjoy yourself? I got to say that 2021 was honestly pretty nice. Like uh, Boston, like the team we had last year was 100%, like without a doubt, it was like the best team to work with that I've ever had. Uh, Like in terms of the atmosphere, it was way better than anything else. There was no drama. Like people were actually genuinely friends together trying to get along you know trying to make uh just everything happen as as a group as a team and i was i was really really nice to work in that atmosphere and boston as an organization is also really nice like maybe it's a bit uh easy for me to say that because i'm working for them but like the organization deserves a lot more credit than they publicly deserve uh, that they publicly get so um to be fair your contrast is toronto so you know you're being let yeah sure i mean i i I know i know about other orcs as well obviously right Uh, of course yeah but this is gonna milk that group chat uh it's the most ridiculous story i've ever heard dude like how are you building teams by having we're gonna get to to tcp episode 300 he's like hey did you guys hear about the toronto group chat thing (laughs) 
like 100 more episodes down the line a couple of years later it depends though if they keep doing it or not no but um yeah i mean i, I think boston uh the team looked good this year i mean obviously you guys picked up all of wgs or most or like a decent chunk of wgs the core right and um i was a big fan of that team in particular um obviously i you know i'm friends with punk as well um color hex these are these are guys that are like kind of my homies yeah um, <laughs> i enjoy cam as well i enjoy fusion so like you have a lot of people on your team this year that i really really liked and even now moving forward like you still have plenty of people that i uh you know that i think are great players and um again people that like punk that i'm i'm still somewhat close to so yeah it's just cool to see you guys had a i think you guys um I mean, results-wise, you're probably a little bit disappointed, but I, I think it's, it, it's like a huge improvement in any case from previous years. Like I sort of mentioned, like no dramas, no other BS, right? You just kind of have to, you have a good, clean year, do your thing. I enjoyed your content, got a good look at the behind-the-scenes stuff from Boston, so well done on that as well, because not a lot of teams mm. did much content, so I didn't get a good look at how they were operating, but everything looked fine from, from, from my yeah, view. Yeah, no, honestly, you as well. uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's been it's been the best season since season one for Boston. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was a little bit disappointing results-wise. I think it's just uh, to a big part also because of the schedule. It's only like 16 games, so you don't really get to see a lot. Yeah. Uh, you don't really get to know where you actually stand. Like if you had 40 games and you play everyone, then it's it's a bit different. But if, if it's kind of random who you play then um, it's something where, okay, like our standings don't necessarily determine where we deserve to be. Um, that said, obviously could have, could have been, could have been a bit higher, but yeah, in terms of team atmosphere, it was just, it was just such a pleasant like yeah. atmosphere. It was so easy because there was, <laughs> you didn't have to focus on like any problems within the team. Um at least it was never like a huge focal point. It was mm. always it was always about the game or like about individual players and trying to make them improve. And mm. uh, the group dynamic was just really really nice. And I'm glad that we got to retain a bunch of these guys for the 2022 season. Can- I I'm curious about one real thing before we move on from anything like this uh, about your season. There's just one thing that I wanted to kind of talk to anyone from Boston about. Uh, yeah. And feel free to go into as much of this as you want to, but I'm very curious about that day that you gave the one over to Vancouver Titans. Like, how uh, run me through that day a little bit. I hate yeah. to bring up bad memories, but I'm just so desperately curious about that day. So uh, I think, that, like. I'm not sure exactly how the entire week went. I remember that the day before the Vancouver Titans day, the apocalypse, the day before the apocalypse, <laughs> uh, we, we had like a really bad scrim day where um, we, we lost the first few maps and then kind of our, our mood just spiraled downwards where it, it just became really bad in terms of like, uh, less talking, less communication, and everyone was just kind of in a meh mood and not. I mean, it's it's what it is in in sports, right? Once you're uh, psychologically down, then it's easy to just get lost and just uh, do really bad, beat bad things, don't play as a team, just bad habits over and over, just do individual mistakes, uh, play alone, 
And that's kind of what continued into the next day where um where our our warm up scrim was one of the better teams, I think. I don't know which one, but um happened the same thing happened where uh we kind of lost the first map and from there mood mood spiraled down and then obviously you go into Vancouver always uh, already like a bit frustrated uh from the last few days and then the first map isn't great and it was probably the closest map we had because that's that's how it went at that point where the first map people are like still trying to play and it's like uh relatively close and then Afterwards, you lose that map and just mood is just gone. Like there's no there's no return from that and uh, no coming back. And it was just like a really obvious problem, an obvious issue that we had, and we immediately well we should have addressed it beforehand, obviously. But uh, we addressed it immediately afterwards, and fortunately, over the next. Uh, over the last few games that season it became a lot better where we would be able to handle like those mood swings a lot better where if we lose one map it's not like we are fucking in the dumpsters and and mm. we're going to lose every other map as well where um we try to uh work around just making sure that everyone's staying a bit more stable and uh, keeping their heads up and that was a big part of the work we did like from there onwards and I think we did well in terms of that afterwards or better but yeah it was uh, it was something that a big oversight I think on um, on the our coaching side uh, that we should have just addressed earlier and that was very apparent in the Vancouver game because to be honest Vancouver didn't play well uh, and we just played worse like a lot worse it, it it probably sucks for you, but I can guarantee you that was probably like the highlight of Vancouver's year. So you made their entire season oh, yeah. for them. It was, <laughs> that was definitely, it's definitely. I, I can imagine it was. <laughs> oh man, yeah. You you said earlier like that you felt the season format had a lot of volatility in terms of like it didn't really hundred percent tell you how strong you actually are because. We heard it from other teams as well, and we heard it already in the past. Like, and more so than before, this season is like if you have easy teams and start into the season, you start with confidence, and then you can just roll through the season, right? Also, yeah, there's an asymmetric schedule, so some teams got to play Vancouver twice and whatnot. Um, so there's there's some competitive integrity stuff to be talked about. At the same time, you have the the flip side, which is less games means theoretically less stress, even though I've already heard the argument, like, it's not like we're not scrimming full-time during break weeks anyway. So where do you land on this? What what would you like to see in the format? Would it be, like, definitely symmetrical and less breaks, or where do you fall on that? I I like the kind of format that we had, because for us it was definitely more breaks. We actually used the breaks we had. Like, that's what something you can see in the content we did there was a lot of team bonding like between the stages where we went to play soccer literally every stage we went to play um 
we went to go play mini golf and play bowling or whatever uh did we did a lot of team activities go just go eat ice cream and stuff like that like there, there was a there was a lot of team bonding happening and a lot of um we actually used the breaks that was that were given and i think it helped a lot in terms of just being able to be there for the entire season so i like that kind of format the season just has to be like in my opinion if i could do whatever i want I would just increase the length of the season because it is only six months, and um, maybe you increase like the number of games that you have every week. Uh, make sure that you at least have two games every week. Maybe you increase like the tournament cycle from just four games to six or eight, mm-hmm. and then you take even. like a break, um, just so you can assure symmetry like symmetry because I, I think for us it wasn't necessarily a huge point with the strength of schedule but if you look at Florida for example mm. they just completely got um, well wrecked by the schedule it, it was just they had a bad schedule they got uh, they got well not relegated but they didn't get into play in position because of the schedule basically that like one of the hardest uh against like teams that made it into plans that had one of mm. the easiest so mm. uh i i think symmet- symmetry is something that is very important in terms of schedule otherwise like how do you ensure competitive integrity at all um no. Makes sense. And for that, I'm willing to play more games. And I think everyone is like 16 games feels like you can do more, you know? Mm. <laughs> How many is a good number? Because you said eight per tournament cycle. That well, I, like just spit, I just I just spit it out stuff. It? Uh, but, uh, I mean, just do something that makes sense. Like if you do, uh, if you have the same, if, yeah, if you have the same position where you have like, 12 or 13 and 8 teams or something then yeah just do 24 so you play everyone twice and and that's okay uh just make sure it's it's actually like you don't have to have every single stage balanced in terms of schedule Mm. strength of schedule because it's impossible but at least over the course of the season it would be nice to have something more balanced Mm. let's um Let's get into a little bit about where you guys are going for next year. Actually, I think that's a great. Uh, yeah. As uh, for the audio listeners, we got a we got a clean shot of a tail there from Baroy's cat. Um, <laughs> um, your let's just start with like the the biggest name that you guys have signed so far. Uh, this one was so big that not even Halo wanted to leak it. So yeah, that's that's saying a lot. Apparently, so that's definitely saying a, uh, quite a bit. But Strike has come back to Boston Uprising after quite a bit of a journey away in shock, playing with Krusty, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and he's come back now. And, and to me, I'll give you my personal, like, when I heard about this, I was like, first of all, people were people were thinking, oh, could it be Striker? Is that who is being hinted at? I'm like, but there's no way it could be Striker. Right? I, I'm pretty sure Striker and Huckett are falling out. Like, it can't be Striker because they wouldn't want to play together again. And then it was Striker. I'm like, what? But how does that work? I'm like, I don't, I don't hate like in a vacuum as a player. Like, he's a great, I'm, yeah, he's a very talented player. But like, as far as I could see from the outside, like, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not talking about any inside info here. But like, um, yeah, there was like a pretty public kind of thing where 
you know, Stryker wasn't too happy uh, with Boston in season one and potentially with Huck. So I don't know, Is I guess, has the, the hatchet been buried there? Are they all good now? Or do you have to sort of segment them in different rooms if, and they can't be in the same room at the same time? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, like I said, like Boston is a really good organization, honestly. Like, I don't know what happened back then, you know, maybe... Yeah. Maybe things are different. I, I have no idea. But honestly, it's it's this is probably one of the better orgs in Overwatch League. And um, maybe it's something that Striker knows of because he has uh, connections to some of the Koreans that are playing here or something. So um, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is there. But I think uh, I think the situation between him and Huck is also okay because uh, how it all started from our side and I, I'm a little bit sad that Huck never posted like a screenshot or something, but I'm pretty sure it started with Striker sending him a DM saying long time no see. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, that's too funny. Well so Striker yeah, actually sent the first DM. He yeah. he fired that one off first. Uh, All right. uh, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm not I'm not gonna say yes or not. It's a good story either way. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, I'm just kind of glad that you know things are good there. I, you know, you you just talked about how this year was like really clean in terms of everyone getting along, and you know, mm-hmm. while you were saying them back in my head, I'm like, so how about next year then with Striker? But you know, I'm glad that it's like you know, it sounds like it should be all good. So that's pretty. Yeah, cool. I, I think, like the rest I of the, think the. I think the big thing is for um, Boston is that I feel like especially Huck is being seen in a very negative light publicly for mm. one reason or another. I don't know. Uh, but he's honestly someone that is very dedicated to working in like a good environment, and um, maybe it is easy for his personality to be seen negatively publicly. And mm-hmm. I can see how he can rub off on people, like because he's a, a very frank and direct person. But working with him is very, um, is very. I I think working with him. It's very nice, and um, I enjoy it a lot. So maybe it's something similar for him and Striker, you know. <laughs> is he still actively in the practice room every time you scrim, or is he more like a top-down GM and has to do a lot of business stuff? What What does Hug actually do? It's more of a top-down thing. I mean, he's still following uh, scrims every day, but he's not necessarily physically checking on the players every day. Right. And I assume you guys have a team house, like dedicated practice room and... And everything, yeah. Like, where phys- being physically there would be possible, but yeah, I mean that's just to not throw any more uh, fire on the coals. It's like uh, that's very normal for GMs to not be physically present in every single scrim block and whatnot. And like, yeah, I, I think that's impossible because you have a lot of you have a lot of things to do. So as yeah. a GM, so I mean, depending on what kind of GM you are, like technically speaking, Nine K was a GM for Paris Eternal in season three, right? So. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, is there any like sort of direction and like what what's what's different about? I mean, aside from the obvious, you have different players, right? But like, what is the difference in direction for the roster next year? Um, this is less of like a obviously when I, when I look at a face value, you don't just have a here's a contenders career team and let's bring over like fifty percent of a full contenders career team onto the roster. You've now got a bit more of a mixed thing going on retained some good pieces from last year you picked up some really good pieces um in the free agent market and um, honestly uh, crimzo is is a fantastic pickup uh marvel is hard underrated another good pickup and obviously striker is striker right so 
everything you guys have done on top of keeping Valentine Punk in faith has so far been pretty damn good from my POV, and that's already six players. Like, I don't even know if you guys are going for more than that, but um, where do you see this team going next year in terms of what you guys were looking for? Well, yeah, I think general direction is upwards. I think that's uh, easy to say. Um, but we'll see exactly how everything pans out, obviously. But yeah, I think I think you can see with the pieces that we were able to acquire um, that we had a very good off season. And yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where exactly we are headed. But uh, generally, there's going to be a lot of strong teams. And so I'm not going to say that we're going to be top whatever, but I think it's obvious that Boston is looking to make this one of the best seasons uh, in the organization's history. So, Yeah. I mean, it will be very hard in terms of like trying to do... You can only do so much. This feels like almost the most volatile season ever because of the new game potentially coming in, right? Without exactly. giving trade secrets away, like, can you reveal a little bit how you guys are thinking about Overwatch 2? Because, like, we heard, for instance, some teams are scrimming on 5v5 and have this uh, workshop <laughs> yeah. code, or some teams are, you know, like, only scrimming king of the, uh, sorry, um, control, because they think, like, most of the Overwatch 2 game modes will play like control. And if you have, like, push and control, that's two maps and a best of five, you're already looking good. So if you play it, Selected for that, it looks good. Like, are there any of those quirks that you're employing during those, those trials in order to find them? Well, I, I think first of all, I think everyone should play control the most because control is, has always been and will always be the most important game mode in this game because it's, like you said, two games out of five that is played on control. It's the first and the fifth one, uh, and because of that, it's literally the most important uh, game mode. But, um. When it comes to Overwatch 2, I think we are all looking at it in like a kind of uh, like randomized light where it, it might go one way or might go the other. Like, for example, I, at some point earlier um, before the offseason started, I was even doubting that we're going to play with like one tank for the entire season. I don't know. Um, I don't know if Blizzard changes gonna change anything over the course of the season with how the game works at all like do they change it to like one tank one dps one one support and then two flexes like that, that's all stuff that they could do you know that yeah, might really? make the game better because um because we don't know how the game is going to work out you know like maybe it's just maybe it's just boring to have only one tank i, I don't know who knows like blizzard probably knows best and probably it'll be wild that would be so crazy that my mind didn't even go there and think about it. Yeah. It's like, well, you need to have some sort of consistency. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think you know, you got to be open to something like that. But for the regular play base, you got to have like a consistent game in terms of like two DPS, two support, one tank, and everyone plays that in quick play, competitive, and in professional as well. Like, there's got to be some standardization. Yeah. Which, which so, I mean? consistency though? We went from no, like no, no, no hero limit to uh, like. Roll lock to hero pools in like the matter of five years. This game has always like definitely changed. Consistency very rapidly, in the so. term, consistency in the terms of what everyone's like, consistent right. experience. So with, like, I'm, I'm talking about if you have too many flex rolls, like what does that mean? Um, because uh, I would argue that two to two is a more consistent gameplay experience 
this isn't even an argument i think it's just a fact mm. a more consistent gameplay experience than no roll lock which is literally anything you want right. so when i say consistency i'm talking about a consistent game experience right. not like the game can't change it must be this i'm right. talking yeah. about like if i'm an average player what what is the overwatch game i'm expecting to play when i get in there and anything right. with a lot of flex rolls just makes it probably too crazy but um it's interesting like you know brain exercise uh from yeah, Beloit, I mean, just kind of consider it. <laughs> it's something to I, well it's something that i thought about when the game came out right now i'm at the at a similar point where it's like i, I think it's probably going to stay this way more or less mm. where um it might it probably makes more sense i mean blizzard is testing it internally so i suppose it's something that would make the most sense to have like the one to two setup and if it is then uh, I think it's something that like everyone is saying where the game is going to be a lot faster. So you're looking for um, a higher paced game where things are going to be more crazy than before. You want to make sure that like you have a lot of flexibility in your roster, especially in your tank line. Um, that's why Marvel is like a marvelous pickup because. Mm. Uh, he he is someone who, over the course of the last two seasons, has played both off tank and uh, main tank. So yeah. it, it is it is something nice uh, in terms of flexibility, and um, obviously having Punk in there as well, who's been honestly one of the better uh, off tanks last season, is just giving us a lot of optionality for um, what is to come. And I think that is something that we are strongly looking into where we want to make sure that we are covering all the bases because it's mm-hmm. like we don't know what's going to happen so we want to make sure that we're like strong in like almost any possibility that could come up and i think i think our off-season moves so far have like uh kind of affirmed that where we we Oh my god, my cat is literally <laughs> sitting on the keyboard now. Okay, so we we were like um, lacking in the tracer department, for example, last year, and that's something that we are obviously upgraded now uh, with having the tracer player basically on our roster. Um, I think our support line up is looking extremely strong right now with uh, Faith, who, in my opinion, has been one of the best rookies last season Mm. and uh, probably the second best. Uh, And obviously, Crimson had a phenomenal season last year. So I I think just, like, in terms of everything that we have right now, um, yeah, we are looking to... We're trying to cover all our bases and uh, hopefully whatever Overwatch 2 is going to throw at us and I suppose there's going to be a lot of changes over, um, early on because the game is going to be new and like yeah. new meta is going to change probably a lot of patches if I would assume anything uh, then hopefully we can cover all that you know. Real quick as we as we start to get to the end of this uh, is the tail end of um, having you on here, Baroy, but what are your thoughts on double flex support? Are you confident that Faith can maybe pick that up as well, or is your option still available down the line? Obviously not committing to anything, but, you know, maybe a, a, another support player, or you're pretty happy with what you got? Well, I think uh, double flex support always made 
ascends recently and in the last few seasons of Overwatch League. Um, whether we are going to do that or not is, uh, I think, up in the air. Um, maybe it's something we're going to look at down the line. I think uh, Faith had actually had a great Baptiste last season, uh, so it might not necessarily be something that we necessarily need. But um, honestly, we're looking at all our options. So uh, I think I think double flex support made a lot of sense in Overwatch One. Who knows in Overwatch Two? You know, <laughs> but mm. um, yeah, we keep our options open. I think. Any any final words for the fans out there, uh, either the Boston fans or even the Vancouver fans? I don't know why I just said that, but. Um... Yeah, well, I, I don't care what Vancouver fans honestly. I talked enough about Vancouver. Today. I was just messing with you. But, with you. but yeah, any, any. Um, I mean, obviously, thanks yeah. for coming on the show. But any, any, anything, any words you want to get out there to um, to all the Boston fans out? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just uh, look forward to Boston again. I, I think last season was like a ramp up for what is to come, and now uh, it's actually, you know, if you're a Boston fan, you had a lot of like downtime where you were like unsure about what's going to happen um but i think now you can get excited about the team again and uh going into this next season it's all looking good so far so look Agreed. forward to it thanks for sticking with us through the hard times and let's enjoy this together <laughs> a lot of good times ahead then i'm sure oh thank you very much boy for coming on for tcp episode 200 Love to have you on. Always a friend of the show. Um, and wishing so. you and Boston Uprising the best of of luck and fortune for the seasons to come and for Overwatch 2. Um, I'll definitely be looking forward again. Um, a lot of cool stuff on your team. So thank you. Enjoy. Thank you. Have fun. Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 200 of Tactical Crouch. We made it 200 effing episodes. Kick Tripod here with Volamel, Yiska, and Avril, and that's all I'm going to say. That's it. Hey. Oh, God. That's brilliant. That, that made me feel great. That made was my it day. Nostalgic? It, I mean, is. it was nostalgic? It was. Cozy. It reminds me of like the maybe twice I've been on <laughs> in the 200 episodes before I, I, I was here, but you guys have done a lot. Like I, I was saying to them, Yiska and Volamel, uh, you know, when we're talking to um, some of the other people and also before we really got into the episode, it's like there have been so many episodes and so much content and so many good times with, first and foremost, you guys, you three, right? Like you guys were the ones that really brought this about. So this episode is like a celebration of like, you know, pretty much 200 episodes of this. So we, we, went, we weren't going to leave you out of that, John. I think you were so integral oh, to this. Good. Oh, I appreciate it. I mean, to be fair, we did about 150 of those episodes over the course of three months when we did three episodes a week. But yeah. uh, <laughs> three, was, three weeks. I remember that. Yeah, it was. Right wow. Oh, yeah, was it was. Yeah. We went all in on it for a little bit. 
Yeah. Oh, it was so we have enough to talk about it for three episodes a week. Like, <laughs> Jesus, it sounds like... You've been damn. doing this with Yiska long enough. You know? there's, there's, always something, there's always something to talk about. Yeah, no, you, you can definitely spin bullshit for a long time. For I'm sure, sure, like, you know... I mean, Yiska, maybe we'll just do, like, one... Like, we just talk about... Let's just talk about Soul for three hours. You know, that mm. could be content. Your yeah. favorite subject, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we, we just literally do that only for three hours. Um, I don't non-stop, know. uninterrupted. Just like... Uh, just straight. Really just a monologue from Yesco. Like, we, it's, like a, it's like a 30-second yeah. intro. It's like, like yeah, an audio podcast. 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 All right, Yesco, have at it. And, you know, Joe and I can just go away, put on some... Bl- you know, we can take a bit of a nap live. Well, you uh, know, guys, Yesco for three hours, come back later. You know, guys, there's this German concept. It's called, and everyone's like, oh, fuck, I'm getting a beer, bro. Here oh, we go. Have no. you ever heard of the German fairy tale? <laughs> like, no, I haven't. I don't know if you know where we live, but. Nah, I also doesn't. love how you just use the uh, accent from the, uh, from the things in Dune <laughs> as German. <laughs> That's what that was. It was like those those uh, big bass voices being like, mm, docks and mocks and dogs. <laughs> That was ex- I'm like, oh yeah, it's ger- it's German. Sure, can you just not insult my mother? Down an octave. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm sorry. I, just, I was just like, oh, is that making what he hears, man? He learned like mom? something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, we uh, we we had many epic uh, long tangents. I think on on. The show, and then Yiska, about seventy-five minutes into the show, would drop some like piece of really novel information for a Reddit clip. That's... And every week we ask Yiska, oh, like, "Give us a Reddit clip this week, Yiska. Give us a Reddit clip this week." And he's like, "I don't have anything. I don't have anything." One week you don't ask for it, and we're just like, "Hey, we're just vamping." He has like four. <laughs> That's the thing. And we just stop planning. I, I'll I'll tell you this much. I already like. I, I do the thing now where something is confirmed. Like to the degree that I can't report on it, but like I know pretty sure it's happening, and I just drop it as in like you know what would make a lot of sense, right? Mm-hmm. And it is actually insane how how little this is taken up on, like that nobody in hindsight goes like, wait, this happened. Where did I hear that before? You know, and nobody <laughs> connects. And I've even on this podcast probably said that I do this like five to seven yeah. times. And still nobody picks up on it. And that's why, like, this podcast is probably 50% listeners of people that work the Overwatch League and 50% of dudes that probably are just doing chores. Like, some of you are currently on the toilet. You have bowel movement issues. Like, Let it, us know it takes where you're a watching while. this from. We're listening to, to this from right now. Mm. Uh, tell Comment us. below. Anyway, yes, go. Yeah, so, like... It's it's a weird one that very like very often the things that actually got clipped weren't the ones I was expecting to be clipped, and most of the time I agree. that all they also didn't feel great. At least emotionally, I feel <laughs> like whenever a clip showed up, I was like sweating. Oh shit! What did I say? Fuck! Like that's. By the way, we we decided we can swear now on this. Oh fuck yeah! Just- <laughs> Like I said, like I said, John, it, you know, you know, you, you know, I came in and I just made the show into like some, some really crass, ragey podcast now is what it is. Uh, no, that's great. Just like, <laughs> just like, that's that's yeah, natural progression. Swearing. Whatever, think, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, you know, kids don't interact with Overwatch clearly. So, you know, it's, uh, it's an adult thing, right? Um, yeah, not let's, be, let's be clear. Mostly, it's mostly, if it's mostly like industry people and like people working on teams that are listening, they're probably... They're probably all adults anyway. 
Um, so I always get concerned about that because every now and then I like I I forget, but then I remember like oh that's right like people on teams are probably listening, and I have to think about like yeah. well yeah, wait, hang on what did I say did I say something like really disparaging or something like negative about a team? Mm. Um, and I just kind of like forget in my mind, and then I'll just go on a rant about a team that I'm like oh but someone from that team probably just heard that oh well okay well <laughs> that's how always I check know. the uh, check the mutual follows on Twitter yeah, after yeah. every episode and see if they win but everyone yeah. seems to be cool because everyone's always like oh yeah you know really enjoyed that last episode i'm like dude i kind of shat on your team a little bit though i'm sorry about that uh, so- <laughs> i mean you gotta keep it real right like can't just like yeah i mean you can definitely like be fair about it um but most of the time like i feel like we're not that unfair in like we don't really play up the drama just because it's good content most of the time yeah. there's genuine emotion well, behind I- something right I get, well, I get paid Despite for the my tanks, so, you know, if you, the teams that pay me, I, I only say good things, and that's, that's really the trick at the end of the day. There you go. Um, Slide into the pocket. The teams that have kind of uh, refused that business offer I put onto the table, um, I mean, that's where all the negative comments come from. It's nothing mm-hmm. to do with their actual, um, you know, their actual performance in-game. Is that what, so. is, did Soul just halfway through the season stop paying you, and that's why you, like, got off your wall? Got off on your documentary. Or? Right, yeah, um... I mean, it started strong. I don't know. Like, it, you know, I think it, in the preseason, there was a good deal happening there. And then as we got into the season, um, I don't know. I don't know. It, uh, we, I, need to, I need to talk with Arnold again about what's happening there. Because uh, my comments about Stalker so much so far have just been like kind of middling. But, you know, if, if he just kind of you know, nudged in a little bit more, you know, a little bit mm. of a better offering. And then I'd, I'd definitely, I'd be like, I'd be on that proper train. You know, I'd be like, oh, man, you got to lock out for this guy. Like, oh, he's going to be the new MVP. And all of that kind of stuff. That's the premium package right there that I sell to the teams. Um, and then, you know, as I explain, you know, when we talk to others, it's just that's how it is. You know, that's I decide who the MVP is, and boom, they're the MVP. But like, don't get low bots. Like, Soul is is actually like throwing backs at people. So true. Just so yeah, you that's know. true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Should we summon right. Arnold? Arnold John? Should I should I'm I try to? Do the old, uh, you know, maybe he's not, you know, maybe soccer's not doing the, the whole practicing deal, you know, maybe he's, you know, taking it easy. Maybe I mean, they didn't qualify for contenders. We just have to sign the bat signal. And Arnold's like, yo, hey, how about you uh, stop doing that? And there you go. Could, yeah, just let's, let's dumbass, write a hit piece. You know? yeah, let's, yeah, let's write an uncharacteristic hit piece and then just see who wants to come on the show. Yeah, just, yeah. as per usual. As the best, do. yeah, the best episodes and... uh and and guess that we ever have is when you and Yiska decided to go rogue on a piece of content. <laughs> yeah. Still so to rogue. this day, like the 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 I think the dumbest piece of content I've ever written accidentally. Yeah. What was supposed to be like a metaphor turned into an like you said an uncharacteristic hit piece that I'm just like, yeah. oh yeah, you're right. Wait, that, wait, I could understand where that that could be taken which wrong. Which piece was this again? I, I tried to take profits like playoff um, level up and spin it into like student syndrome where like students like tend to maybe take take things a little lackadaisical and then try like during midterms or like really boot camp. Okay, or, like, okay. but it wasn't what I'm doing right now. It, it wasn't it. I didn't sell it enough as a metaphor or a simile. It was just like this is what's happening and people yeah. read it legitimately like that and we're like hey he practices a lot have i'll have you know and i'm like yeah 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 i i know that that's my bad though i didn't make that very clear so. yeah, yeah no i mean yeah, in all actual actual fact and i've always like it, 
out of history, I've written myself out of the history books in that one because I was the editor for that one and I should have <laughs> made you use more clarifying language because in my mind, that was perfectly clear that this it was me so much sense meant yeah. metaphorically. I will say in hindsight, the idea that someone steps up a level, not necessarily because he was on a low level during the season or oh. like... Uh, is actually actively lazy, and then like just when goes like ah, I guess I might as well switch my monitor on for this one. Like there are a lot of metaphors that work there as well to ex illustrate that one. Like you could have just said he fucking I don't know like Mario like fire flowers it or some shit. You're looking at me after choosing the metaphor of a lazy student. You don't do that shit to me. Like everything, <laughs> everything. You're telling me he's going to Chris Pratt it. He's going he's gonna to pull a Chris Pratt and yeah. put on the Mario hat. And Okay. Well, yeah. No, but um, <laughs> th those, those episodes <laughs> felt good. Actively cathartic. Like sometimes we resolved issues on TCP. And sometimes mm -hmm. we stirred some shit up on TCP where it was like, oh, love, nah, that's I completely wrong. Uh, stirring is the the name of the game. What is your the, favorite uh, shit stirring memory, John? Oh, I think that was the one. Um, okay. Yeah, that was I, honestly that was like the only real one that I really remember. Um, I uh, That's fair. yeah, I was. You missed doing power rankings yet? Oh, I was gonna ask uh, who won and how did my power rankings do. <laughs> That's an Eric question. I genuinely, I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, Eric, do you have that ready, like, or available? Um, if not, I can find that. Um, but yeah, Shanghai ended up winning. Funnily enough. Sh oh, Shanghai. no one guessed that. No, probably not. <laughs> uh, let's see what Eric had to say. I think I think you'd be safe to say they were going to be a top team. It's always hard yeah. to like quantify guess who was going to win. Like I had Gladiators as number one on my power ranking. That's not to say that I thought they were going to win. That's just because I thought they had a great team coming in. And they were kind of pumping in scrims early on as well, but hard to know. It's it is. Quite Are you really trying to like justify your picks to somebody who hasn't watched Overwatch League since May? <laughs> I'll be honest, though, May was good. If you did watch in May, you, you I, I hope you enjoyed it because May was a decent decent month. They were all produced, but May in particular was great for a number of reasons. I mean, that was the last time, and it was good. To <laughs> ching, <laughs> and they, and they came. They came second and third. This year, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they did too poorly, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, I didn't realize it was an American thing to remember the second and third place. True. Boom. Got him. Yes, because you're now playing by their rules. That's I my like green that. card. You're Here we go. Very much playing by their rules now. It's like ah, that's the big gotcha right there. Yeah. So KT had shock at one, like most reasonable people. Uh, Justice at two, who were probably the biggest disappointments this season. Oh, I would say, yeah, not not good, very bad actually. Um, no offense, Justice, um, but yeah, not very good. Uh, Glad's at three, which I think was astute looking at uh, their record. Um, overall, I think they did really well. Ended up winning. Um, I think was it Countdown Countdown Cup? They ended up winning that, so that was dope for uh -huh. them. Mayhem, not so good. Not so good. I basically um, just looked at your guys' power rankings about a half an hour ahead of the show and just kind of like, like, how do I make this not look like I copied? <laughs> you did actually win uh, APAC, by the way. Hey, you did well. Yeah, yeah you Extremely won well the APAC yourself. predictions. And then, actually by, yeah, a decent amount. Sizable margin. Yeah. 
I mean, well, I mean too I, short? A, APEC is like put Shanghai first, Valiant last, and then figure it out. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's actually much more complicated than that, but I understand why you wouldn't. <laughs> oh, man. It actually, got, it actually did get quite complicated in the middle this year. It actually was like, it mm. kind of got wild because you, you'd, you'd think that some teams would do much better with what they had, but that and happens every year. Yeah. That happens every single year. I expect that yeah. happens again next year. You know, as, we, um, we were actually called out for having justice this high. Like, I was talking to uh, the CEO of, um, is it, no, the VP of esports, Grant, mm. from the justice, and he's like, I don't understand how you guys had us this high. Like, second. Like, that, it's just really weird to deal with these expectations, you know? Like, if the league thinks we're the second I best I mean, team, I get that. And we are like, actually, we're probably eighth, and like everyone is expecting more then you can only be upset right like so well you know they could have sent us any of that information ahead of time everyone everyone had the justice high so yeah it definitely wasn't just yeah Yeah, no yeah i think it's it was reasonable to to i think it's how you spin it and obviously we don't know the internals we don't know how Mm. much we're being you know is being shilled out behind the scenes to each of the players it wasn't just us yeah justice no not at all but when you look at the (laughs) when you look at the team in general you're just like there's some hitters on this team that are genuinely good i don't know how much they're being paid i just see good players yeah what happens past that point that's none of my business but yeah Yeah. it's bizarre bizarre to say the least speaking of overwatch though it's exhausting have you followed any of the uh, new Overwatch 2 things, John? Uh, no, not really. I'll be completely honest. Well, I've been... Bastion a hat. Bastion now has a hat. Bastion has a hat. I saw that. Uh, That's good. We have Cade, Cade McCabe, or Cade Cassidy. Cassidy, Cassidy Cole. Cassidy. McCabe. Yeah. Cole Cassidy. It's an uh, adjustment. That was fun. I, I, uh, I need to go back and listen to uh, Tactical Crouch during the whole um, Activision Blizzard implosion. That three or four weeks there. That was. I don't know. We said too much about it. The thing about those topics, John, is like it always ends up being like, yeah, we all agree it's bad and there's not much more to say about it. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It's. There's not, it's not like there's more, uh, it would be different if there was more insider info. If mm. someone knew like, oh yeah, also here's like, here's this information that wasn't said, or here's this other like additional info or anything like that. Um, I think it just ends up, a lot of the topics like that end up being like an agreement circle joke. Like everyone's just like, yes, we all agree. And that's, so that's all there is. <laughs> there's like, it ends up surprisingly, there's a lot lack of depth in a lot of those topics because there's no disagreement you need to have some good disagreement yeah. you need to have some good like back and forth like oh maybe i, I don't a good agree with concurment that. reach around that's great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a circle jerk of agree of concurment should be tweeted equally yes they should i mean you've been busy though man. Yeah. You've, been, you've been working on new products with a new company you're yeah you're, advertising one right you're using one right now in front of our faces yeah. in front of everyone I'm beta testing uh, is that where you're at? What's that? Is that is that kind of how far along the products yeah, are? Yeah, I mean, all the, yeah, we've got two products externally being beta tested right now. So okay. yeah, 
two of the three are all yeah we're doing it i'm using the mic right now so i've i've gone from my 450 dollars microphone and 400 dollars mixer to uh a usb microphone and it's that infinitely good. it's infinitely better Jesus, everybody who i told to go xlr like it's it's <laughs> insane uh and I'm not just saying that because I work there now. I just mean like, duh, I designed this thing from the ground up. So it's, it better be better. Yeah. I mean, um, you, you made both. So it's like, I trust you if, uh, <laughs> if you have some honest opinions there. Yeah. So, you know, doing that, we're, um, you know, we're really close to launch this fall and, you know, trying to stay sane during the whole pandemic three 2.0 3.4.0 what patch are we on i don't know i don't yeah it's kind of nuts like i think i said in the pre-show i can't remember i think it was a pre-show it's just been like i just basically play tft and valorant now yeah a little bit of rocket league okay if i want to have a drink it's the only game i can play and just like turn my brain off like this is more fun when i'm drunk those are neat. We we escape. We recently, I, I recently got into Diablo two. Did you do, play that as a kid? No, my uh, my parents wouldn't let me basically play any Blizzard games. Um, there was uh, I almost got away with playing Warcraft three as long as I bought the version with Arthas on the front because mm. the orcs were too evil and scary. I think there Ooh. was the. Because remember, they had the two boxes. They had a few mm-hmm. different boxes. They had the orc box, mm-hmm. and then they had a human box, uh, which I think was Arthas. I don't know who th- was on the orc probably, box. Probably shouldn't update your parents with what happened to Arthas. That might be a bit <laughs> negative. But... <laughs> uh, no, my mom's totally cool now. She's like, we've we've honestly talked about it a few times, right. and she's like, looked at, she's like, what would what would I need to like kind of get into gaming so I could hang out with you Aww. and your brother and mm. like this? I'm like, oh yeah, World of Warcraft would be great. We just go level together. Yeah, oh, just put into Valorant day one. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> microphone right? sound on. Yep. No? That has get been the, get the the standard Valorant uh, experience. Mm. It is kind of interesting introducing new people to the gaming scene, right? Like we did that with a couple of friends uh, during the pandemic just because like they wanted to also be like in the social environment of gaming and it was the best to keep social distances and whatnot. And it is pretty interesting what one takes for granted in terms of like understanding game mechanics, where it's like in your brain, when you see something in a normal RPG, right? Like, I don't know, like a ledge that you jump to and there's like this texture on the wall where you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's where the character can grip, right? It, it, mm. In your brain, it looks like, you know, these old cartoons where they couldn't, like, Exa- paint yeah. the, the walls? They're, like, and one of them had the- they're like lighter, yeah. and yeah, it's like, oh, that's going to slide open. Yeah, yeah. and then Wiley oh. Coyote is, is just, like, going to uh, explode through that wall or something like this. And this is, like, what it feels to the gamer brain. Of course, none of the, you, you know, older relatives or whatever have that. So in order to introduce them to, like, new games, it is actually quite challenging. And it starts with, like, how do you hold a mouse? Then this person's left-handed, then you got to find a mouse for them. Like, how do they arrange the keyboard? Like, keeping track of so many, like, different aspects. It it is... It's pretty interesting to see, like, how many passive skills as a gamer you just pick up that you take for granted. And you're like, oh, wait, let me rethink this system. And it's now... Like, let's be honest, right? 
like when okay. I was when I was young, be honest. but when I was young, like 17, 18, 19, like I was pretty good in pretty pretty much every game that I played during the time, like was semi-sponsored in those games. Bro, like I never got even remotely close to anything like in season one, I was like, I think we, I got just like 76, 77 in Overwatch. Like mm. just playing Zen with a friend and he had like a crack Genji and we just played that. And then I ran into like Nevix and Numlocked on the ladder and whatnot. After that, I dropped off a cliff. And the only reason I was good in season one was because I got like day one beta access. Nowadays, dude, like these kids are genetically and like in terms of the skills that they have built up, they're different, bro. Like keeping up with these fucking zoomers is is really challenging. Uh, I feel well, like in to, games. They get to kind of like build upon the the pillars that were there before them. Like for example, like if you if you want to see an g- example of what's good now and you're a young player, you get, the footage is out there. You go to YouTube, mm. go to Twitch, whatever. Yeah. You know, we talk about like you know someone like me who you, when was I like seriously good at games? Probably around seventeen as well, honestly, right? Mm. Um, back then, like you know, YouTube was honestly barely a thing. Twitch did not even exist at all. So where do you get like good footage of what good gaming looks like? You have to get like mm. replay codes and files and stuff shared between players on like yeah. you know derelict forums out in the world somewhere. Um, so you you just didn't get that knowledge built upon from years and years and years and now decades worth of play. Where like a brand new person or like a young player wanted to get reached a really high level, you have so many examples of people showing like, well, this is what you actually need to do and how you need to play games. It's so. I think it shifted the skill set though, because I, I played, you know, Halo and Halo 2 at the pro semi pro level, kind of right on the bubble between those. So mm. I played it in kind of both. And, you know, on the, the one side, you were the ones kind of creating the strategies, creating, yeah. you know, we're the one who found the super jumps, the BXRs, yep. the, you know, everything else. And then, uh, you know, and so it was a different mindset versus combing through every single YouTube video, Twitch yeah. clip, Reddit post, whatever, to like get every little single advantage on top of just, you know, the mashing of games to get enough hours and reps at, you know, whatever um, mechanic you're trying to perfect. Yeah. And so, you know, from like that perspective too, it's kind of different. It's like, you know, I, I don't think I could be, if you like re rebirth me now and I'm 17 again, and I have the same gaming skills that I did when I was 17 and 2006, 2007, um, like, I don't know if I would have been able to, uh, like be a pro then because mm. I was you yeah. know, it was just like it's now the time is totally different. I hate watching YouTube videos yeah. on that yeah. kind of shit. I hate it. Right. I have no I have, I have, I have no wanting to, to do that. Yeah. And so well, at, while, while all of the, the resources are there for you on the flip yeah. side, um, it's now a requirement that you're, you know, a student yeah. of those resources versus just like, you know, figure it out, make it up, surprise them at the land and go. Mm. everyone's learned how to learn though like that's what you're saying like you you know you had to like kind of trial and error find out all these things when you're you know when you're getting through back in the day now it's like you know those are things that have been discovered and all the mechanics already exist and you know as as a new kid coming in you can kind of just like have that immediately and access that it's not something you have to trial and error and spend a long time yeah it just raises the floor yeah it just raises the floor for getting in i think is 
is like five minutes. I actually think like if you plucked my seventeen year old self out of the times or out of the timeline and just put that same person here today and, and said, you know, is could this person be a pro gamer? I think I would have had the correct mentality to do so. I think I, I would like to say I could be because like part of it is like your own motivation and your mentality for like can you handle this and do you want it enough? Um and what is your sort of work ethic to try and get that far right and with the tools available now with like being able to study footage being able to like i don't know jump into like an aim labs or something like that didn't exist back in the day just stuff like that like you can exponentially get more out of every single minute and hour you practice versus what you got a decade ago like you spend a minute playing the game now you get more out of that minute than you did back then so it's just way different in that regard it is in some ways it's also sad because i will say there's a two uh, two effects that this has brought about because it feels like now it's all very execution based and like maybe like f- being able to handle a lot of information that you have pre-learned and therefore like being able to adapt that very little is like thinking on the fly or coming up with overarching big new strategies and that does two things a it selects for people that are good at that and b it shapes the mind towards that part and I feel none of those are conclusive to having personalities that are like, you know, these loud, like, content creative types. You know what I mean? Like, it's the same, mm-hmm. like, that happened, for instance, in, in, um, in European soccer. Like, it was totally f- possible that someone won the Champions League the night after they were out drinking, s- smoking cigars, and possibly doing coke, right? Like, it was, like, there, there are some big German uh, footballers or, like, you know, these alcoholics and whatnot. Like, they, they, it was a possibility. Now everything is, like, selected for high conscientiousness and whatnot. And everyone's like, you know, like, oh, uh, should I take these two grams of caffeine today? Or is that not optimizing my uh, performance? And, like, <laughs> that, that does something to a person's personality that mellows them out and therefore, like, has, a, um, has probably something to say about the content that they are able to provide or, like, the vibe also, like, it feels like it's not the same people, the same degens that you will be on the ladder, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, sometimes so I more wonder... Esports character, or more esports people on Coke is what you're saying. <laughs> the, the thing is, like... Hey, Coca-Cola, this yeah, response to the Overwatch League. This, this is an interesting one to get your input from, uh, John, because I don't know if my confidence in esports is that high anymore in terms of, like, what the future holds. <laughs> I feel like we've been outsprinted by streaming growth so much that, like, I I don't know if if the comp. But what do we have that streaming doesn't have? Well, the competitive aspect and pushing like the limits of what is possible and Production. exhibiting that. Yes, but the problem is, like, for some fucking reason, Zoomers actually despise production less it has novel elements like a clean product seems to not even be as desired like it feels like if you mess up the intro to your podcast now you should probably leave it in because genuine errors are content now to zoomers because to be fair to them all their fucking life they've seen nothing but uh like polish products by brands that are trying to sell perfectionized uh products to them right like they are missing that authenticity and i feel like that's a big selling point for like you know guys like platshed or the overwatch league like i would say like 
just compare like the different demographics and scenes between like I think what you have in mind in terms of a, a broadcast that's like really crisp and has like maybe a little bit of banter even but but still is like focused on the game as in CS that that's all as old heads liking that in comparison in Overwatch like the the most rememberable con or, or remembered content by our scene is like a cat picking our competitive format in terms of like what heroes are banned. Like I, I don't know, like it, it, I, it just seems like different demographics have interacted with the internet at, at different paces and have had different products uh, catered to them, and that's why, like in my mind, just like the growth. To be fair, maybe Riot Games is a good counter argument to that in terms of their esports, but. Like the others seems like esports is slowing down its growth while streaming just has no end to its growth factor, especially with YouTube now coming into the fold. I'll quickly add something before John speaks here. But streaming also did kind of help esports a lot. Like I think streaming is one of the key factors that push esports into that next level. So I'll just I'll just add that in there quickly. So I think streaming has helped esports a fuck ton. Obviously. Yeah, it's definitely been like an an unbalanced growth, right? Like both are growing. Like let's let's be real. Um but you know, in comparison, obviously esports appears to plateau when you compare it to, you know, kind of streaming and I think just kind of content creation in general. Uh, you know, imagine how that changes once you like introduce TikTok uh mm. to the, you know, to to the fold. And so yeah, like I, you know, if you if like you had to ask me, who obviously you know I didn't have the chops to even like stay with an esports podcast, um, you know, if if like I don't feel like there's a a game right now or like a I, I, if esports is going to grow and be a, a really really huge thing, I don't think that it's a game right now that we're playing except for League of Legends, mm. um. You know, everything else, like, it's it's huge. Don't get me wrong. Like, these games are huge. And, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people are tuning into those things. But let's be real. Like, that's that's a really small peanuts compared to, you know, the number of people who are just, uh, you know, tuning into streamers yeah. every, every day. Yeah. Every day. You know, streamers are filling, you know, they're filling stadiums watching them every yeah. morning. Yeah. Do, like... You know, Tim the Tatman is just reviewing TikToks of food. <laughs> like that's what that's what he's doing, and yeah. that's getting just as many views as Overwatch League. Yeah. So you know, you've got. I I, I don't know where where that changes. I don't think though. It's I don't know if it's an esports problem, like a competitive format problem, as much as it is you know a game problem. Mm. And bring mm. bring a Fortnite type paradigm shift back into the fold again and that could totally you know you know change again Mm. but you have to find that next kind of conduit right to kind of uh excite that we can't be doing you know overwatched what 2016 yeah is that what my twitch directory tells me (laughs) um you know overwatch 2016 you can't be doing you know dota whatever um i think even like People hate it, but like even League of Legends, like without some sort of shakeup or something real, you're kind of mm. like you're 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 growing, but you're also status quoing. Mm. And so, you know, I don't I don't know what the future of like that esport is going to be. Like, I can't think of like oh this genre once this genre comes out and stuff. Mm. I thought that that was going to be battle royale, mm. and you know, I think it's pretty clear that. While people love watching battle royales, 
competition for battle royales. There's just something missing. Yeah. Um, that people you know want or don't want from you know the esports scene. Fortnite is pretty stagnant. Apex is huge, but like still relatively small in comparison. Yeah. True. I don't know. Yeah. It's... I don't get it. To be fair, and there have always been these games that just bring about a new era of esports, right? Like if you think back, like totally. Just because I can't foresee it doesn't mean that it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you know, there's not something point. there or something that I can't come. You know, come and do that. It's like StarCraft Two was a complete shift for most of it, right? Like for instance, mm. and then beforehand, yeah. you could argue like games like CS and Halo brought it about, and then COD and whatnot. Definitely, yeah. Maybe we don't have a new game like that or a new idea. Even though there's probably also something to be said about having the spaces for innovate, because most of those are just like dudes in their garages coming up with new game ideas, and like, oh, did I mention a game that wasn't like this? I don't think so. CS was created as a mod. I mean, MOBAs were created as a mod. Uh, Talk about auto chess. Auto chess was created as a mod. Probably the newest a mod within a mod, really. Yeah. Auto chess comes from Dota. Yeah. How many more original ideas can there really be, though? Like, yeah, at the same time, like, I think <sighs> in gaming, there's a formula that just kind of works. You know, the shooty man's genre is just, it is what it is. Like, there's only so much you can innovate on. And we, yeah, we've had some new quote unquote genres come out, and I think auto chess is one of them. But mm. um, even then, like, there's, I don't yeah. think there's any more crazy, like, after Battle Royale, maybe my brain just can't. Perceive the auto chess and battle royale are the last two I can think of. Yep. Um, like it, it, legitimately, it would have to be like some VR thing. It would, yes, like, like exactly. Would, would, yeah, it would require yeah. VR to have mass appeal. Everyone has a VR headset. Like it's so like easy and accessible that like you have having a VR headset is as easy as getting like a gaming mouse, right? Like something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you could have like some sort of huge VR innovation. But beyond that, I cannot foresee any sort of big shakeup in like a new genre or a new idea all the all the ideas coming through even looking at something like valorant that's a rehash of counter-strike and overwatch put into yeah. thing into a game all this kind of stuff right like it's everything is real iterative and derivative in, in some cases based on something else else that's already existed so you don't have any of these like really wide sweeping things since auto chess and battle royale yeah no the vr thing definitely makes sense and also just with the recent announcement of facebook and whatnot and like um, don't you mean meta? Uh, yeah, like Eric was telling me, like he, um, Zuckerberg had a like a meeting with Matthew Ball, who's like a metaverse guy, and they talked about like in the next five years, it's probably going to be like something that people will notice, and in ten years, it's like ubiquitous in terms of um, like how we will see these metaversal integrations. And for me, in my mind, and that's why I'm. Like I'm here, basically. That's that's the one growth vector that I see, is like the physical or the athletic fusing with esports eventually, right? Where okay. you are in a virtual space, but limited by your athletic ability, but you don't have to abide by the laws of physics anymore, you know, like in the game. And then like the sky is the limit for for creativity, what you could do there. Like, we could have space football, theoretically, while people are in a virtual gym, like, playing that. Um, so, like, that is, that seems to be, especially if we're connecting via uh, metaversal means and uh, interacting with each other that way, that seems to be the the growth vector. But then again, 
like maybe it's just a time in history where competition isn't like the the thing that people crave or that the generation absolutely needs in order to succeed uh, or like that that is underserved to them because it's possibly also something to be said in terms of the competition they already feel in their private lives in terms of rates and whatnot and finding competitive jobs and like making that work but um yeah for now i feel like we're in it's sort of a lull we're probably in for a market correction anyway and um it feels like we we probably have to sit with this run through and then hopefully new technology will bring about uh the new idea then again i also did it once again where i just like injected that bullshit tangent into this uh thing and we went sideways way off that was a classic yiska vamp on something that i mean you taunted me i i had to do it to you that's fair <laughs> it wouldn't be an episode of tactical crouch especially a celebration without a yiska run on monologue you know yeah we just need and a german then- word of the day and then it's all here German word of the day, then we also need somebody without a profile picture on YouTube uh, yeah. writing up just a really long, completely incorrect takedown of whatever Yiska just said. <laughs> well, you see, Yiska, the metaverse is actually a spatial rift in time that's actually, <laughs> you know, intertwined with the, the history of boxing. I would be really interested to see if uh, if crypto and like uh, NFTs and stuff make mm. their way into gaming. Mm, uh, well, I yeah. mean, they already are. Um, yeah, it's I don't know if you guys have followed my Twitter at all, but like it's something that I got into and then I immediately got out of. Oh, scary, right? <laughs> Not fast. Oh, no. Okay, no, NFT it was scary. And I was I was very successful in uh, okay. <laughs> in my Good. in my month and a half of NFTs. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Went in with five hundred bucks, left with about twenty five grand. Wow, just damn. damn. I Done. mean, that's a win. You never go back, dude. Like you can only lose at this point. Like that's, it's it's disgusting. Well, I'm like I'm an online marketer, so when you mm-hmm. you know when I look at these like NFT communities and where they are right now, like the technology is really interesting. But then you also have like you know Ethereum and Bitcoin being just awful for the environment and mm-hmm. um. You have these NFTs, which is basically it's just unregulated insider trading at this point. It's like people are making discords and Twitters and doing raids and making promises that they can't keep with no regulation and oversight. And, you know, big whales manipulating entire markets. It's absolutely disgusting. But the concept of it is really interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And like, you know, I totally get the value of like, you know, decentralized digital ownership. Yeah. Um, and that's got some pretty cool implications for, you know, gaming, mm. right? Like, um, you know, in some ways it's just like, you know, a real market or a, a real auction house or whatever, like a yeah. real money auction house and stuff like that in a lot of ways. Um, except you can own traits, you can own avatars, you can right. own, names you can own anything else and so like there's aspects of that that is kind of like interesting and and intriguing and i think that we probably see this decentralized currency and vr ar kind of Mm -hmm. fuse together into one thing if things kind of keep keep going the way that they do yeah uh we're not far away yeah 
for like the next thing, you know, like Apple's supposed to come out with their big AR VR push in 2028, late 2022, 2023, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, you know, I'm sure Google and Samsung will try to get there just as quickly yeah. and obviously now meta as well you know yeah. they they re rebranded all their oculus stuff and so mm. we'll have to see i don't i don't know if the future is necessarily big honking ass headsets either though yeah mm. you know like it's oh, just it looks a lot more brain. as it's something like this yeah i mean yeah you know you have the i think what elon musk has that one like Neuralink thing or whatever that's mm. just like I think they they've they've demonstrated it into like pigs brains and whatever. And right now it's mostly medical and vitals and stuff like that. But, you know, they're saying, you know, five to 10 years, it's very something different. It's something very I, different. So I'll tell you mm-hmm. what, you know, by by the year 2077, you know, put me into cyberpunk 2077, hopefully without as much violence. You clearly but, uh, have not. I was going to say you have not played the campaign. In that, if you want to be there, that's no, no, yeah, yeah, there's brutal. a little bit too much violence. But it, well, and that sounds weird in in a vacuum. Like, oh, cyberpunk is too violent for me. No, I I mean, like, if I was actually living there, you know, would right. It's just a little bit wild. There's a, it's it's obvious. It's a it's a gamified thing. Uh, but as we're sort of approaching um, the the wrap up point here, John, uh, and sadly, you know we are getting towards the end um i'll give the floor to you man like what what's what's coming up next for you obviously you got products on the way um and we had some great discussions about what the future maybe holds for gaming and technology and kind of stuff like that and you talk a little bit about what excites you i don't know anything anything to wrap up on your end in, in that discussion yeah, I mean, um, you know, a big reason why, you know, I stepped back from TCP was to, you know, be working at this startup. And, um, you know, we have physical products now. If you're listening to this on audio, I've been talking through our Beacon Mic the entire podcast. And um, so we're going to be, you know, launching Beacon Mic, Beacon Mix, and Beacon Mix Create um, over the, you know, the coming months. You can follow them at Twitter at Beacon, B-E-A-C-N. Um, and so I've been working really hard on um all of that and then uh you know as for me i try i try to stream from time to time youtube.com slash kick tripod yt uh i've I've mostly moved all my streaming over to youtube and Mm -hmm. um making some content there youtube videos and stuff like that so um yeah that's really all i'm doing and um you know just kind of enjoying just kind of enjoying life at the moment just kind of letting it letting it happen and (laughs) following my fancies there you go that's all Speak, you that's all you could wish for speaking of something or some people or pets that you may fancy um i think for the more dedicated listeners or some of the super fans um i think people need an update on choji um katie and timo i think we we need to know how how the the fam's doing yeah absolutely so you know choji's uh six at this point he's getting to be an old bear he's big um and uh just just the best dog we're uh we're we're gonna be getting another bernie's mountain dog in the next year or so oh uh because uh, i don't know if katie and i are physically or emotionally able to withstand the thought of uh (laughs) having a having a house we have to like straddle them now like every five to six years so we Mm. always have a dog in the house 
Um, so, you know, Choji's awesome, obviously. Uh, Timo is uh, the opposite. And that <laughs> makes him just love us, makes makes us love him that much more. Um, you know, he's getting to be a big cat now. And yeah, a little bit of a butthead. He just started chewing on cords after, oh, you know, almost a year of not chewing on cords. Um, I noticed like in the middle of the night, a couple nights ago, I was, you know, I have a, I have sleep apnea. I found out, Mm. I think I was still in the show when I had that. I had a CPAP machine tests. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I have a CPAP now and, um, that I was in the middle of sleeping and all of a sudden I noticed that like air stopped going through my nose and I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) And, uh, turns out, uh, Timo just chewed right through my CPAP cord. (laughs) <laughs> and Ooh. so like the so the you know the electricity stopped going <laughs> wow. to the thing in the middle oh. of the night so uh you know he's a little bit of a, a butthead but um he makes up for it and being really cute and sweet and stuff and then you caught your you caught your cat red-handed uh attempting murder i have like a little like i have a we have like this like lemon spray and stuff now that like really mm. we don't spray him but we spray the spray area the because yeah. i don't like that smell that citrusy smell so mm. spray the area now and that seems to work um pretty well and then gotcha. you know katie is uh the badass that she is so um kick it kicking ass um at work and you know nice. keeping me sane and healthy and yeah. clothed good clothed. clothed okay that's a new one <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah that's that's really that's that's it that's the crew nice. glad everybody's doing good well, I, miss, uh, I, I miss our tcp game nights though i'd love a jackbox oh, yeah. game night soon yes yeah i will you can hold me to that. I'll try to schedule something at, at the most appropriate time zones um, and then try to get, you know, one or two going every once in a That's while. That's been the challenge. That's been the challenge yeah. of me joining is just adding extra time zones to really, <laughs> really mess with when we can record. I just like trying to balance like, hey, when can we record? It's like, well, somebody's somebody's on a whack hour. Yeah. Um, and that's just usually Joe. But um <laughs> We appreciate you, Joe, for that. Yeah. Um, and we appreciate you coming on, John. This has been um, a great callback. Yeah. Um, and obviously, <clears> TCP, especially for episode 200, wouldn't be complete without having you on here. Um, so, yeah. Thanks a ton. Congrats on 200, guys. Glad to see yeah. the show still going strong. Thanks for Thank getting us to where we are. Wouldn't awesome. be here without you. Uh, I don't know Very about true. that, but. <laughs> 170 the something architect. here. Yeah. That's uh couldn't have been done without you, dude. So mm. sure. much love. Thank you for coming coming back to the show that you started, coming back to where everything began. As I'm sure all yep. the fans would um would have really, especially the longtime fans, would have really loved this part specifically of the podcast. It's a really strong callback. So appreciate Thanks. it. This is a blast. Thank you so much. Love you. See you for three hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> That's it. All right, we'll see you there. We'll see you for 300. Oh, boy. And welcoming to TCP episode 200, special guest, Nuki, general manager of the London Spitfire. How are you doing? You having a good off-season? It's, it's a bit of Rostamania out there. Things are getting pretty wild out on the streets. It's definitely a wild off-season. Like, uh, players are still very hesitant to sign and want to, like, try out different stuff. Nobody knew how to try out correctly and, like, what to look for yet. So it's 
it's definitely gambling at some point. How did you trial? Did you do the five man like workshop code thing or how did you do it? Uh, no, the coaching stuff and I agree that we just did like traditional six man trials and then went from there basically since we want to pick up uh, more than minimum roster like we want to pick up one more so we have some tank flexibility. Mm. Thought you about to say. Thought you about to say like, oh no no, like Paris Eternal, they kept that internal. They didn't want to. They don't want to share that. Uh, I that mean, around all. that was their, that was their trade secret. So you know they want to help out the the rivals in in Europe. <laughs> Evala always have like has like these special specialties for herself, but I think we would have been able to scrim them on it. But we just wanted to do internal trials first. Maybe we do it for like some of the later signings. Fair enough. It's been some time. Like we were actually talking before we um, sort of got in properly here, but like, it's probably been. At least for me, like a good two years since I've had a chance to talk to you properly. You like you've been living in LA now for the entire time, all through COVID and everything, working through you know with Cloud Nine and everything. So I mean, your things have moved pretty quick for you from going to Hurricane to London Spitfire, managing Overwatch League now. You're still doing other stuff with Cloud Nine as well. So I mean, what's like the condensed version of your life in the last two years? <laughs> sitting at home and being at my pc basically it didn't oh, change much from... there, nice. <laughs> yeah it didn't change much from germany because that was what i was literally doing in germany too like i worked from one of the team houses that we have here uh for the first like two months or so um because i got some first-hand experience with our league academy team when i moved over here but then yeah. after covid hit, it basically got back to like me sitting in my room with my cat and then like chilling out and doing Zuko? everything remote yeah, everybody yeah, knows yeah. him. I think everybody that is following Spitfire knows him because he was in like so many announcements. He loves mm. jumping on me when I have podcasts and record things. So I can. He yeah, probably he's awesome. probably gonna be a cameo soon. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say like you know we'll, we'll say hi to Zuko if, if Zuko shows up at some point. Need some Zuko merch. See now he's get on it. You know, get some Spitfire <laughs> X Zuko. I, I don't know if I'm if I'm big enough for that. <laughs> oh, so. How was um how was the year for you? This is not like some loaded question because it sounds like it's pretty loaded, but like you know your this would have been were you you were you GM as well last year for London? My memory is awful. Yeah, I was a yeah, okay. general manager and kind of team manager for London, so I did like both yeah. jobs. I didn't have a team manager so, under me. I was team manager for Hurricane, and I also manage slash GM the female veteran team that we have. So three teams, yeah. three jobs. And obviously a lot of changes between last year's roster and this year in 2021, right? So, I mean, there's just been yeah. a, a quite a big swap up for London. Um, how, was, how was your year? Again, not like a loaded question, <laughs> but how, how, was, how was your year this year? Generally, like from your POV. Yeah, um, I, feel like, I feel like I learned a lot this year because it was, it was a big, um, big experience for me in terms of time management and keeping tab of all of my teams. Um, I was a tiny bit overwhelmed at the start, I'm gonna be honest, but um like throughout the year I learned like how to how to manage my time between teams better so I can make like better and more educated decisions when it comes to like the new roster and what I wanna do with it, like who I wanna keep, who I didn't wanna keep, etc. So mm. um definitely definitely a big was a was a big task to just like jump in there. You had a whole identity change, really. I mean, from last yeah, year to this basically, year. it was a whole identity change. It was like a roster that was used to like being very dominant in contenders, and then going into Overwatch League, like 
facing their flaws, basically um, not winning as much anymore, etc. Like it, it, it was a rough time for the team, I think. Yeah, and I and we had the the head coach change like mid season, which hmm. was also definitely not helping. How do you perceive that? Because I mean, theoretically speaking, and we now know uh, that American Tornado. I mean, they were sort of already split up, but they 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 are also not going to join one team uh, anyway, right? But at the same time, it's like these dominant contenders players that come into Overwatch League. It's not like, and I would say in season four was also the case that even the rookies had a harder time finding finding their place. It's probably the hardest season for rookies to come in. Like, how what what would your feedback be towards like? You know these once dominant contenders teams, and I guess that includes also O2 and Talon. Um, mm-hmm. Like coming into the league, what what is how different is that experience going from like winning everything to then being tested thoroughly? I think it's really important to set your expectations correctly when it comes to that. So, um, like being aware that you might be like losing a lot at the start and like needing to needing to to grow and not like not get upset at your teammates not get frustrated with yourself and then like have like healthy coping mechanisms i think that's uh, like the two biggest things because i think many people go into it like not not even contenders people but also like rookies that, that come into the league with like big confidence like i can fit in here but it it still takes some time to adjust it's still like a whole different skill level and a whole like different competition plus um last year's last year's um all players playing from home also like didn't really help that because team culture is also like a really big thing so be accepted of the team culture your team is building try to be the best teammate you can be and then improvement will come like by itself by the way, are there any news on the on the move to America that you mentioned recently, like in the interview we did? Oh, um, if London is moving to America, yeah, is... I think we're gonna play out of. We're definitely gonna play out of LA next year. Mm. Sweet, mm. you guys. You guys can call it New England. They don't have one of those in America yet. So the Neo England, uh, <laughs> a new New isn't, England. Is there <laughs> London somewhere in America? Probably, probably five or four in America. Yeah, there's, there's got to be a hand. It would have been, but then in the, um, you know, in the uh, American Revolution, they, they had to get rid of that because London was a little bit, you know, you, you can't have somewhere called London that's a little bit too imperialistic, right? So they kind of have to get rid of that name, I'm sure. Um, no, that's great. You, you guys all be back on land. You guys are like also slowly moving towards more and more of like a british roster so at some <laughs> point like is <laughs> london spitfire is just going to be team uk right i mean i mean more and more to british roster we basically added one british player so that's 100 percent more brits we went from one british to two british and we have a uh, actually Chris have Patu. another british coach yeah, yeah so yeah we're, we're getting there we're i don't know if, there. i don't know if team uk is realistic um i think the first the first ever talk i had with Dan from Cloud9, like the president of Cloud9, when mm. we negotiated for Hurricane being picked up, and he was like, yeah, can we have a majority UK roster? And the first thing I told him is like, if you wanted to implode in three weeks, yeah, we can, but like, <laughs> it's not going to be a long-term what, thing. Why, do they hate each and... other? Like, <laughs> I, have, I have yet to see a full team of UK people that survives more than like a few months, so I'm happy to be, be proven wrong, but I, but I think um, full country teams are very hard to mm. manage. 
Unless it's full Korean, right? A full or a full yeah. Chinese team in Chengdu. Those full country teams seem to be okay. Full uh, European maybe, country teams. There you go. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe that's why. That's, that's uh, a bit of phrase. For Overwatch World Cup, you know, you only get to play, or at least back in 2019 before, you only got to really play and be together for a couple months at a time. So Team UK didn't have to implode. Um, but I, I, I always found it interesting because one of the things Christopher said was like, um, he'd always had thoughts and you know about if he was in charge of London Spitfire and he had some control of the roster, like what they could do in terms of a European roster. And now he gets to kind of be in that position, take charge. Um, I assume, you know, he, he has a, a quite a reasonable amount of say in roster construction or at least his input. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, is he, is he getting to build somewhere close to his European dream roster now, or at least, you know, something in that regard where he gets to kind of fulfill, fulfill those fantasies of having this European team, like he's wanted for so long. I mean, I can I can tell you for certain that we have. I think if we get every signing that we want to have, we definitely have a full European roster. Um, like completely this time. No, like like the one American. If we count the one person that lives in America, <laughs> since he is actually like from the UK. So can I quickly um, ask? Did you? Yeah. Did you let Blase into the group chat or? <laughs> 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 he was he going. was in the Discord and he was in the group chat and he did workouts with us so oh, he was okay. he was part of the group. Well, it's good. Um, one included. You had one Discord server in English and another one in American just for Blase. Yeah, he had his uh, he had his own channel just for <laughs> just for translation. God. No, um, I'm I'm pretty I'm we're pretty good on the on the European roster. I don't know if it's his dream roster, but we try to compete for all the people that he wanted to have and that we had faith in, like coming. Mm, of yeah, course, yeah. we are still one of the like lower budget teams or like lower end budget teams. So some some people got snagged away, but we're still really confident in the signings that we have right now. You're like a you're almost like a, a European destination though, as far as teams are like. If you're a European player coming through contenders, I would maybe consider London to be a destination next to like Paris. Um, unless you're like, you know, unless you're, you're looking to join a mayhem or Atlanta or something like that, but they're pretty locked up now. They, I think their rosters are pretty done. Um, and it's almost, um, all there. And if we, if you extend Europe out to more like EMEA, where you add the Africa, and the middle East in there, as well, you look at the Saudi players like Sir Majid joining mayhem, but otherwise, you know, um, there's like two actual European teams and, they're almost all actually European as well, which is just like pretty wild. I think it's kind of cool to have uh, European players having a, a almost a place that is a destination for them. And um, I mean, I, I haven't followed European contenders in a while, so I'm not too sure where the state of it is. But I mean, there's got to be some confidence there. There's definitely some heavy hitters out there, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think um, I think European contenders has definitely stepped up a tiny bit last year with uh, Falcons investing into it and like all the teams getting more professional when it comes to their like social media appearance and what mm. they're doing for content and stuff. So um, I think overall Europe is one of the one of the better regions when it comes to contenders representation. When it comes to Chris. Um, because I know that you two both kind of started around a, a similar time. And I know that you both, yeah, you both have kind of like orbited around similar spaces for a long time. Um, 
is this kind of uh, a few years in the making bringing him to you know you, you two kind of working together is this like originating from like hammers esports era like when how did the nuki x christopher you know collab merch <laughs> drop uh happen when it comes to london like how did this start like when was like the beginnings of of bringing him to london so back let, let, let's let's like get get the full circle so back when i was a player still um when i played tournaments in beta um i would uh chris was on a team called choke esports together with or like it was choke gaming not choke esports um together with his brother and like i think like three more uk players and then one one not uk player and we always played tournaments against each other like they were a team in a tournament my team was in a tournament and um that's where we get to know each other basically like playing tournaments and playing ranked together um and then like going a few years forward at that point um world cups uh team uk we were like pretty good friends back then still um talking to each other like regularly and i think it was when was the world cup in paris was it 2018 that sounds I think, right. I think it was 2018 um, when when UK and Germany were in Paris for World Cup. Mm. Um, he was considering since he like he had tried being a player for like a long time, um, and he was considering going into coaching. Hayes was talking to him about it, and um, Hayes actually approached me, and um, I was still like managing Hurricane then, and Hayes approached me with. Hey, Christopher's looking to get into coaching. Wouldn't Hurricane be a good spot for him to learn the ropes for coaching? I was like, dude, yeah. Like he's a, he had great leadership skills in every team that I saw him in. Um, I was a really good friend with him, um, and I personally thought that he would be a really good candidate for coaching. So I was like, yeah, sure. Let's let let's talk about it. Um, and we trialed him for I think two weeks, and then we wanted to sign him as an assistant coach on Hurricane. Um, but then Hayes swooped in and just got him onto Philly. And I was like, dude, <laughs> you told me I should, you told me I should like develop him. him for you. Like, <laughs> can, can, just, can just swoop my boy like that. Quick little yeah. favor. Jeez. <laughs> Thanks, Nuki. Thanks for developing Christopher for us. Well, like you, finally, weeks, you finally yeah. got him back. So, I mean, like, how, I mean how'd, yeah. that, how'd that process kind of go? Because, like, you now you have him on London, head mm -hmm. coach. Um, is it all pretty easy, you know, speaking yeah. to him? in the off season to be like you know what i think we got i think we got the perfect home for you yeah totally um we we actually talked a tiny bit like last year when when philly moved to korea um he he mentioned that um yeah as as, as he said in his like with longer it was always kind of a kind of a dream of him to like rep london and like um and he was like thinking about like what he could improve to to the team and stuff and so like basically right when off season hit we we hit it off in dms and basically like tried to try to talk like what's your plan for next year like you mentioned that you really like the the london brand like i still need a head coach can we can we talk about it and it it was actually like pretty quickly like philly was very supportive for him to um since he didn't want to stay in korea philly was very supportive of him like uh, helping him to to figure everything out there so I'm I'm really happy that they are so that they are so open or they were so open to like helping him like figure everything out. When it comes to like that era of time as well, going all the way back to your kind of beginnings, you know, 
you know, lovingly referring to you as, you know, the queen of Europe back in the day. I, I don't know if anybody you is. Guys, you guys seriously need to stop Still that. bringing I've that up. For like five years to tell, to uh, stop calling me queen. It's It's been a long time and I still haven't, you know, has it punctured my thick, thick skull. started it. I hate him for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, You know, I don't know that a lot of people remember, you know, going back to like the Copa del Boop, you know, all these tournaments they used to organize, you know, is there any like memories that you, any fond moments that you can recall, anything that you, you know, you look back on and any funny stories from, from your days spent like doing tournament organization and working the back end of events? Well, I, I do have a, a lot of like fond memories of it when it comes to like organizing the first season of contenders that was really that was really fun um helping them with like facilitating contender season zero as like an admin for europe and for na it was it was really fun like working with blizzard for the first time like getting approached by them to observe world cup was really nice um and the and the lucio ball cup that you just mentioned that was actually like one of the one of the funnier memories having having uber cast people playing Lucio Ball and then saying he would never do that again in his life um, definitely yeah. is an achievement, I think. I can't imagine why. I, I just <laughs> thought about Lucio Ball. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I, I don't think I'd want to touch that either. It's like Ooh. Rocket League, Avril. Hello. Like, there's Rocket League uh, casters. I should talk to I should talk to my housemate who's who actually works on RLCS. Uh, I'm sure he'd enjoy that See? quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. We can There's collab. for it. What about uh, just uh, like highlights from your last two years? I was going to say this year, but let's just extend mm. it to like, you know, the last two years of London Spitfire across both the different rosters. Um, obviously, you, you said it was quite a bit of a learning experience, but, you know, um, what were some of the, you know, the highlights and maybe, I don't know if there was anything behind the scenes that people might not have known about that was quite cool or funny or interesting, but. Uh, I think, I think the most interesting thing was like the, the first win, definitely like, we we started we started getting into the season with this um I think it was the tournament that Boston um that Boston organized. Uh where we had a pretty good showing against Glads and then everybody was in really like Still high carries? spirits. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Um everybody was in really high spirits and we got into the season like very confident and then the the first win that we had at the end of the season was definitely a highlight for the team. Um they've been they've been working hard for it. Um, getting Sparker in, like Sparker was a mm. really big thing. Um, he he rounds out the team pretty well because uh, even for his age, he's like very professional, very level-headed, um, which was really nice in the in the environment that we had there. So and and Spilo actually, like picking up Spilo was a really good thing. Um, mm. He's he's very efficient, like doing one-on-ones. He is um, he helped the team a lot. Like everybody felt his impact from day one, basically. And having this whole like trial process with the coaches, I think, I think if you ask him, he still talks about like having one of the best trial processes for coaches, um, like with us in comparison yeah. to like other teams he trialed for. And, um, I think, I think us us doing that correctly is something that I'm really proud of. Or, like not correctly, you, but like efficiently. Are you willing to like indulge in what a little bit what of what that is? Because I'm always curious. Because I'm like, oh yeah, London have a great coaching trial process. I don't even really think and understand like what is considered a good trialing process for coaches. Cause we actually had on previous episodes here, like big discussions about like coaches coming in and those kind of things. But um, I don't, I don't know if you have like some sort of industry secret either. You don't want to uh, put out <laughs> into the world, but like, I'm, I'm just kind of curious about like, you know, what, what is, what is like a good 
post trialing process? So I think in in general, if it comes to coach trials, it's not really like super black and white where you like you trial you trial for like every coach like this. Um, we had a really special uh really special sentiment because we wanted to have a coach that is very efficient in one on one. So we basically catered our trials to that. I'm I'm a big fan of like especially when it comes to head coaching and how I recruited Chris to like kind of head hunt for head coaches. So. Like approach them, approach them directly and sign them because I like, if, especially if they're like proven talent. Um, but if you if you want to dip into the pool of like new coaches, coaches that you haven't seen yet, coaches that may come from like contenders or like tier three even, um, what we did was I did interview them first before like I did I did let them send in I let them send in resumes and like um had like a little form that they could fill out with like potential questions so I can see like how they handle conflict, how they handle like um how they talk to players one on one, um what they've what they're focusing on. So there's a few questions on there with like a potential like problem solution thing, a communication thing, and then like just general um general talk about yourself kind of things. Plus they can send in a resume if they want. Um and then we go to interviews. I interview them, ask them like a few more questions about their coaching philosophy and like what they how they like to work with players and then we usually have i don't know like 10 15 people maximum going out of there if we do open tryouts um and then we let them work with players basically like i'm a big fan of like when we do internal internal tryouts for for a team or like um we have like bigger tryouts to do it's like hey these few coaches these few coaches write up things about these two players and these few coaches write up things about those three players and then we basically fact check how knowledgeable they are they are at the game um and then we let them actually work with the players one-on-one that they wrote things about so we get the player in we get one of our assistant coaches in and them and then they basically sit in while the players are doing a one-on-one with the coach that is in question or like the trial is in question and then we basically have like all the info that we need to make an educated decision I mean, that's thorough um, and impressive, but also I, I can't imagine maybe even daunting as well if you were doing that, but then going into a new game as well, we're like, well, you know, we'll just figure it out apparently. So um, things yeah. will Yeah, Overwatch get... 2 is more, more complicated since we don't know anything imagine. about it yet. Yeah. Well, I'll give you um, a final, you know, as we start wrapping out here, Nuki, any, any sort of final words out there to our listeners, um, maybe even the London fans, any shout outs and you know what we can look forward to in in the coming months and in the coming season yeah i would uh, i would like to thank the fans that are still sticking around for doing so i know i know last season wasn't the the biggest win that we had um since we since we had the good like first and second season but um we hope to be better like improvement is mm. is something that, that we strive for and we will try our best to do so with the with the new roster. I hope the first three sightings were a bit exciting for you guys and maybe even more. Maybe at the time this Ooh. podcast comes out, there's like one more signing already. So yeah. nobody knows. What do you, well, do you want to leak the chips of signing here or should we save that for later <laughs> or what? There we go. No, no, no. That's like that's like the bonus for at the end of the of the signing period, basically. Okay. Like, you <laughs> know that every it. every roster Christopher's in, there is a potential chance of the chips are signing, and we are working towards a, a very good UK roster. So, 
Yeah. Who knows? Like you need a mascot. You need a mascot. All right. Well, he, uh, he is definitely good for that. I bet. I bet. I mean, Philly dude. I mean, Philly really. Uh, <laughs> if nothing else, they they satisfied that portion of of having of having chips. Yes, one of the eat. highest in win rates as an Overwatch <laughs> player. I'm just saying. Very true. If we if we talk about pure percentage of play, yeah. He also fell off the match twice. <laughs> that, that that debut probably had some great viewership as well. I think he brought in mm. some uh, some eyeballs. You know, maybe not for the best reasons at times, but it, it was it was good. Um, Carpe, you know, chips and chips, chipster and fish, or whatever it was, it was a fun meme. Um, but yeah, cool. I mean, again, shout out to Hangar Nine as well. That's the the community for uh, Spitfire, and you know, I've worked with Spitfire in the past, so I know how cool Hangar Nine are. So um there it is look forward to london spitfire in the 2022 season in overwatch 2 and uh we'll look forward to how you guys get on as well Nuki. thank you so much for coming on the show thanks for having me also decided to bring on to the show overwatch's number one chinese overwatch aficionado in kenobi ever tcp number 200 welcome welcome um a pretty regular guest actually i, I remember like even you know before i was here kenobi was on pretty often so um how how are things doing? Do do name the disease you have currently, by the way. Oh, it's not. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> that's how uh, we're starting just... the show. Just okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You're gonna just you're just gonna violate my HIPAA rights. I see how it is. Okay, all right. I see how it is. I have the, my freedom, my freedom of rights. Um, yeah, but I'm happy to be here. I I'm usually the one that Joe would call when they needed a uh, quick quick person to replace someone who wasn't here. So. Uh, <laughs> Now I'm here for the 200th episode, and I yeah. am quite pleased to be here um, and talk some Overwatch with you guys. Joe, that's two for two. Like... That's two for two guests that feel awful because of you. What? Just I... saying. Just saying. We're two for two for now. I keep. Yeah, I keep score. No. no I'm, saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm keeping I score. Need to, I need to give quick context to the audience. By the way, is is we had our, a little pre chat before you came in here. You said you were six. That's why I asked you what disease you currently have. Otherwise, yeah. people are like, "Man, that's a kind of like, like a weird question for Avril to just come out with." <laughs> and also, you didn't really answer the question either. But we'll move on. Like, we don't need to know. It's fine. Um, we were just concerned. I'm sure the world out there is. I mean, concerned. Yeah, you already introduced him as a China uh, Chinese content. Uh, over there it is. Opinion, there it is. You know, um, right? Oh, is that my is that my disease? <laughs> how <laughs> is I'm addicted to Chinese Overwatch. How, how is that and you and Chinese Overwatch? How's all of that? Uh, Chinese, Chinese Overwatch had a good year, honestly. Yeah, it opinion. had a pretty good think? year. Not as good as last year, though. I mean, we can't really ever get as good as last year because we had Team C. But this year it's been... Um, it's all about Chengdu. It's all about Chengdu. As well. Yeah, yeah, Chengdu. I mean, in terms of their play, um, I was really... I think they shocked a lot of people. I think they kind of faltered towards the end, which was kind of unfortunate, especially with all the hype that Leave got around being MVP. But I think overall, I think this was a really good year for Chinese Overwatch with um, with Chengdu specifically. I think bringing Ray back to the team was really, really impactful because I think when Dokebi was the coach, it was not looking good for Chengdu until it was like towards the back end of the season when they started. Or when they, I guess they fired him, and then they brought in Chen, and then Chengdu started to look like pretty okay. Um, but I think like Chinese That's Overwatch right. really, really had a good performance this year specifically um, in Overwatch League. Leave is the MVP. I think very deserving of it. I know Avril, you've like talked about um, a lot of the time this year about like how Leave should have been MVP. <laughs> I definitely agree with yeah, that. I got my no, money off that. I got paid for that. So you yeah, know, you did. I, yeah, 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 yeah. We obviously. all won. Everybody won hey, off Pat, that. 
Yeah, AFAB bias. And, like, I, I think there's a lot of people who, like, complain about Leave being MVP, which was strange to me because... All the NA like, people, yeah, understand. Yeah, all the... Oh, he got diffed by <sighs> Kester in, 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 in the Countdown Cup. It's like, bro, come on. Like, be real. Yeah. He didn't get diffed. Yeah, he no. Diffed. He didn't get... Um, I mean, even no. if he was, your favorite, you NA uh, simps, your favorite, <laughs> Fearless, got diffed two freaking tournaments yeah. in a row by fate, bro. Like, that argument ain't working, right? Like, yeah. if we're talking about diff, that's, I'm sorry, you can talk about lip. I'm fine. We can have that discussion, but get the fuck off yeah. with Fearless. Yeah, no, no, no. The, 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 the NA Hopium and NA Copium was just so ridiculous with, uh, with the as it tends to be. stuff. As it, yeah, as it, I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't, it, like, yeah. It was just, it was just, I think definitely Leave was deserving of MVP. I think anyone who, like, I think the only argument you could make is Lip. I don't think it's Fearless. Fearless mm. got bodied, like Giska said, twice by Fate. Um, got bodied by Gaga, actually, towards the back end of the season on, in, like, uh, when Chengdu was playing Dallas, and Giska put out that tweet saying that Chengdu was going to get stomped, and then Dallas got clapped twice. So, you know, I got to do me like that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> You're, You're never going to live that down. You're never going to live it down. I'm trying to repent, man. I'm trying to repent. Yeah, you you've completed your character arc uh with being leave cuz I remember I remember when Yiska when leave was coming in, Yiska was like, "Oh, you know, maybe he's, you know, he's not as good as he used to be." He's well, like and then it, like and then slowly just Slowly just continued to repent, slowly continued his redemption arc, and finally, towards the back end, was like, yeah, Leaf should be MVP, which was great. Well, I had I some mean, I, shit I, takes in the past. I also said, like, after season I, one, I was <laughs> like, yeah, flat ass wash, boys. That's, that's it. Like, he will, never be, <laughs> he will never be this good again. Like, yeah. Well, his team held him back, I think, early on. But, you know, I think sometimes just having the right environment. But that's also why Leaf was impressive, because his team was also mm -hmm. holding him back. But he yeah. still pounded. I, I went to Custer's chat recently, and I uh, I kind of revealed to the world, but people might not know this, but I I do have a superpower, and, and that is um, whoever I say is going to be the MVP is actually then going to be the MVP. So I, I actually do dictate that. So if you guys oh, okay. um, want to give me some early suggestions for next year, that's fine, and I'll think about it. Halfway through the year, <laughs> Just next have, year. Leave go back to um, back. Leave back to back. Leave all back all to I got to say, you know, I, I'll let you know. Like All I got to do is... I'll send the tweet halfway through next year and be like, this person's MVP, and that's just going to be the MVP. Like, there's no okay. there's no question. There's no ifs and buts about it. It's, it's simply whoever okay. I dictate will then be the MVP. That's my secret superpower that's uh, gotcha. not so secret. And um, both the people I put up there both got their MVPs, uh, just saying. So, you know, uh, I'm, the ultimate, I'm the ultimate I'll MVP peddler right here. Uh, and, I, and I get paid well by the teams to do so as well. So <laughs> um, thanks, Shanghai Chengdu, for that sweet commission money. As... Um, yeah, it's been a good year for 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 Chengdu. I was very pleased about watching all of their games right up until the end. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then obviously, um, their academy team went back to back as well. And you you were casting contenders yeah. this year. You you looked over Chaser. They went back to back. Um, they were there to have to force Billy Billy to choke again many times in a row. Um, <laughs> They're and, cursed, dude. Honestly, yeah, Billy and, Billy's cursed. Or, or Chaser is just so, they're just so blessed. They're so blessed. I don't yeah. know. They're blessed, cursed. They cursed them. Maybe. They cursed to curse another team. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, the thing is, is that they won, they won both of their championships through losers brackets. So Billy Billy like beat them before, like earlier in the tournament and winners mm. finals, both of the times. And then I don't know what happens to that team because they also, they've had like good teams. Like historically through Chinese Overwatch, Billy Billy since its inception has had like, 
you know, they there was a moment where they had like Shy, Coldest, Mika, like this very strong team. And then they would just like beef it in the in the playoffs for some odd reason. Yeah. Don't I I, I can oh, never spaghetti. explain it. Well it is. There, there's oh, there, yeah, there's no. just spaghetti everywhere. They're about to um, go into a rap battle in Detroit, and then they, the words just don't come out. I don't know how to go. Be rabbit <laughs> on spaghetti. It's everywhere. He's That's choking. And then Joe knows all stage. about that. It's right down the street. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, I mean, Team Chaser, like, just if you were looking like, like on paper, like, is Team Chaser like the the best team in Chinese Overwatch, like, or Chinese contenders rather? No, it's Billy Billy. Billy Billy, I think, has a, is a team that's going to have like. I would say at least half of their roster goes to Owl. Alfie should be an Owl for sure. It's not even a question. Pineapple should be an sure Owl. Hangzhou will take him or something. Yeah. Mm. Pineapple should be an Owl. The unfortunate thing is that Pineapple is Chinese. And again, the issue with Chinese play... That does sound really weird Wait. out of context. Um, but like the, the, the issue is, is that he is only, only has so many like teams. a few teams to play for, yeah. right? He only has like probably four teams that he can pick from to go to he can't go to billy billy because shy has most of his hero pool mm. um he can't go to chengdu because chengdu has too many dps and probably DPS gonna bring four, in. four dps yeah. players right now yeah four and then i think they will have five by the time that this oh my uh, god this off season's over i, I don't mean, think they'll let Prita go yeah um <laughs> he could go to guangzhou i think that's definitely a possibility I'll show um, space for only one mod. That's the here's the problem, guys. Is you have uh, Architect and Shy, and then Choi, and then Eileen on those other two Chinese teams. Yeah, that's the problem. Maybe There's Valiant only one space left. Is like an option. So what, here's, well, here's the problem. Here's the what may be because Valiant apparently, according to Halo, they're both A staying their pack and B expanding their budget. Hmm. But really, what it comes down to is you know um, the the cowardice being shown by all the North American teams and potentially even Korean teams for not going for Chinese talent. Damn it. Yeah. Actually, mm -hmm. it was interesting because I think um, Eddie Eddie Meng, who is the um, CEO yeah. of Guangzhou, yeah. had like a really interesting tweet about like um, if you want to buy out any of our academy players, we'll pay for like I think I don't exactly remember what like the deal was, but it's like they were willing. He to, would like, refund the buyout if you didn't. Yeah, he would refund the buyout if you failed to get a visa team. for the player or something. Yeah. Like that. Which is like a pretty cool deal, honestly. Yeah. And Up Academy has like I think a couple players that would be decent in NA. Um, like I think their DPS line would work pretty well over here with Seawave and with uh, Mike Lee. I think Mike Lee left contenders way too early. I like I said that at the start. I think he's like way too green. He needs to go back to contenders and like um, marinate for a little bit life. <laughs> Yeah, could do. You can't. Yeah. You're not ready for the charge unless you've had two shots of Herbalife. That's what I true, hear anyway. True. I, I guess so. I guess so. He needs. I still back lost on what it. that is. I know it's it's you know. Hey, dude, but R Ronaldo, dude, Ronaldo has her. Then it must be good. Come on, it's it gotta just be good. must be good. Have you seen what he looks like? Dude, he's and he's jacked. like thirty or thirty six or something. He's some thirty eight. I don't know. He's old. Looks eighteen still. <laughs> he's sitting here thirty four. He's saying he's old. See, you just don't have Herbalife. I don't know. Yeah, you, uh, yeah, Diaska, you need Herbalife. Same. I was um, and you could how be was... Ronaldo. All right, we we talked plenty about like how China is. How 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 what have you been up to this year? How was how's things been for you in the year of twenty twenty one? Uh, it was great. Um, I actually really enjoyed twenty twenty one. I casted my first LAN. That was a lot of fun. Um, which one was that for the audience? Huh? Which, which one, one was that just for the audience? Uh, that was Hue Fest. Um, twenty twenty one. Uh, it was it was like a collegiate tournament. Um, with a lot of the like big um 
collegiate teams that went there, like Redbirds was there, uh, yeah. Northwood, he, uh, Harrisburg University because it's their tournament. Uh, Maryville was also there, so I got to meet and talk to a lot of like the the players from a lot of those teams. Definitely expect most of them to be an owl, as you can see. Basically, what's happened, Redbird. I think the entirety of that roster, um, not the entirety actually, I should say, but like the majority of it will be an owl if three of them already are, and I think there's a couple more that could come along. Um, I think collegiate's a really interesting space right now. Um, I've also casted that a couple of uh, times this year. Yeah. Um, with like the rebrand of like into homecoming and stuff like that. Um, I it's and again with Redbird success because um redbirds bring in like basically the american tornado skeleton and like making their team so dominant i think they have some like crazy map win-loss record like at hue they didn't lose a single map um i think in collegiate they've lost not that many times um they were really good in contenders so i think collegiate's like a really um cool space to get into now because i think a lot of players especially this year Mm-hmm. um for overwatch league are going to be coming from collegiate i think a good handful of them are going to be pretty valuable as well because there is a lot of that remnants of like the american tornado um team that was so dominant running around in collegiate right now and then they will eventually probably end up going to al at some point oh yeah i mean i'm a big fan of collegiate i just i think collegiate programs are really good i love the whole like homecoming brand all that kind of stuff as well um and now hopefully there's just more collegiate stuff that mm-hmm. exists in all of esports really but yeah definitely in overwatch esports i just think uh, collegiate's a, a great model for tier two and for development so mm-hmm. yeah i mean sounds good i mean that's um that's been all pretty solid kind of stuff what can can i bring it back to uh chinese contenders for once or real quick again because like one thing i'm really interested in and i think that's also a lot of viewers is like top chinese talent coming in next year right and uh-huh. in my mind, it's like, from the Chinese scene, there's one name that I, maybe not with the frequency and with like the, the godly aura of a proper, but definitely like as in name recognition and like someone that might step up was a Prita. So uh-huh. who is he like comparable to? And like, should we expect like, let's say, is he the new leaf? Uh no, okay. Let's 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 pump the brakes on that a little bit. I don't even think he's <clears throat> he's comparable to proper in the sense that he's like the one coming out of China uh, in terms of like DPS talent that's like the best. I don't think he's at proper's level because I think proper is just far and away probably one of the best DPS we have in the game currently. Um, I think Avril uh can attest that seeing him like the entire year O2 going back to back yeah. like proper's just a, a a nut. I think a print is very good. Um, don't get me wrong, he's back to back to back uh contenders champion and contenders MVP or contenders finals MVP. So he's got a lot of pedigree. Um the issue with Aprita has been always his hero pool. Um, because he started off at Flag Gaming when he first won his first championship as like this kind of like tracer one trick, right? We he played realistically only tracer because it was that meta where it was like ball zen. Um I think it was like tracer sombra like stuff like that and he would like just play tracer and just like diff people um he was the they were the team that beat team cc um which is a pretty big feat last year or last year because team cc was one of the best chinese content or one of the best contenders teams we've ever seen um aprita's mechanics are extremely good 
again, the issue with him is that he is very much pigeonholed into playing Tracer. His McCree is like pretty okay. Um, it needs a little bit of work. His Ash isn't really on like the same level as like the best hit scans, like Leave, for instance. It's not comparable to that. So I think Wallaprit is very good and deserves a lot of the hype that's coming around. I don't think he's not like the next Leave or anything like that. He is a very capable um, DPS, and I think he actually combos really well with Leave as like a sidekick because I think he offers a lot of those like hit scans that leave doesn't necessarily need to go play and he can play things like projectiles which i think leave is also very good at not to say he's mm -hmm. bad at hit scan but i think aprita does a better job of complementing leave than like maybe someone like jinmu depending on what the meta is going to be and with 5v5 where i think hit scans could potentially be pretty strong aprita would be someone that i would definitely look to keep if i'm chengdu or get some pretty good buyout money for if you're going to let him go but i don't think they will and i think they'll probably swap him with someone on um like i think jimmy will probably go back to like team chaser if i had to guess that's what i would uh, expect what, to you be. and, and centaur would... cookie back that'd oh, be my guess yeah i guess you could send Taro. i'm forgot. still baffled as to why they added i forgot Taro, Taro cookie place. gonna be honest with you guys forgot Taro cookie existed that's on exactly. me didn't exactly. really i forgot that was a signing so yeah you swap him and Taro cookie and then you probably just um have uh, a pretty good dps rotation with jimmy aprita jinmu leave like that's that's a pretty decent dps core and going into 5v5 again where dps might be like yeah. even more impactful than they were in the past i think it's definitely something that um team chaser or chungdu can realistically viably continue their success with. tell you what i just caught your damn hand in the tar cookie jar there a little bit but um <laughs> yeah no i i i and another another point real quick as well is um man the amount of money that i have personally made for ocean boss this offseason like fuck i i should get some money for this <laughs> Um, that guy's made bank yeah. off the marketing I've done on his behalf. Like Jesus Christ, yeah. I'm actually I'm actually 100 percent of O2 Blast marketing team at this moment. So, um, yeah, I've unofficial. Yeah. Official. You're welcome. Uh, can, O2 Blast, you're welcome. O2 Blast, you. Does you that mean I get like I get like? Am I like the unofficial salesman for like all of the Chinese contenders talent? Like, do I get any commission? Well, from that? well the problem there is, is you're Nobody just selling uh, a printer from Chengdu back to Chengdu. So <laughs> well, that's not that's not true. That's not true. That. I could, uh, yo, I could finesse some. I can, I can finesse some other people out of some money. Dude. Like, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I fucking finessed Andy into buying three. Like, bam, bam, right there. <laughs> I can do it, right Jesus there. Christ, buying in bulk. It's like, hey, um, yo, Guangzhou. I know you got that Herbalife money. Why don't you take up Pineapple, man? Pineapple's right there. You, see, you could definitely get him. Buy him out. He's not going to be going. He's not going to. He's not playing on Spark. I feel Come like on, let's get real. I feel like this is not a fair game if if Avril is selling O2 players and Kenobi has to sell Chinese <laughs> contenders <laughs> players. Billy, Billy. That's, that seems unfair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're, I, I, see, I don't disagree with you there. That's. But like, God is damn. is there is there reason to believe like just like in the development of China that this might be a reach? Because like we saw in other esports, and now I guess given this world's performance. Maybe that isn't true as much true anymore, but um, that certainly, like, China can be a force to be reckoned mm -hmm. with and the best region in the world in some esports, for at least for a limited amount of time. Is, mm -hmm. is there something in the waters to believe that China will just, like, slowly creep up and overtake Korea? No, because uh, they can't have any under-18 players anymore. Boom, done. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think... But I guess I got, I got got right there. 
I can't. <laughs> is that the answer? Is that me. actually a thing? Is that really like something that's so strictly enforced? I, I don't. Well, they had to. They did have to d- postpone a a week of contenders China this week because of that. Um, while they like figured out like China Chinese contenders had to postpone a week of their Whoa. um play be- while they like figured out um that's not a leak or anything like that was well like, they no, looked no, no. at everyone's passports and like when are you born again <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so I don't know how it's going to affect it in the long run um I, I'm not really into you know in depth into Chinese politics or anything like that um but I think for the the, the thing about Chinese contenders is that. Besides the the only like time that we've had like a good like really good like team like a good core of six players that have been like you could say like okay all of these players could go to Al was when we had Team CC every and Lucky Future Zenith back in like 2018 those were the only two times every other time it's been like this is a team that has like one or two really good players that could go to Al um, and I think at this point we're in that same area where it's like. There aren't that many great teams. It's just that you can cherry pick from like s- probably four teams. I would say out of the top, uh, out of the eight teams that you have, you can cherry pick four players, or, or four or from four teams, for specific players that could go to Owl. I think it's going to take a little bit of time because of that, where it's like you need to kind of really start seeing a lot more of talent influx because we don't have that right now. I think is in China as much like we. I think at this point it's going to be like a Prita goes up. That's like one player. Um, like Liga probably goes back. It's like another player. Well, he's on two way. He doesn't count. But like Pineapple maybe goes up. That's two players. Potentially Sea Wave and Mike Haley go back. And then like you're really like trying to figure out from there. Like you're reaching. I think there's like those players are like the ones that could go forward. So. Well, you need to fill up Valiant like what? that. That that team yeah, is that like paying some real well, salaries. I, I, I think they'll up. probably they'll keep a. I would assume they'll keep a decent amount of the players from T1W uh, or from last season. Mm. Um, I mean, like Moenner, and I th- no, keep the, they would be doing themselves disservice. But then at the same time, I I am talking about IGC, so you know, it, doing well, themselves so disservice so, yeah, is probably I, their brand. I don't, this I don't know. I I I will believe the Valiant when I see their roster and when they sign Dia. Okay, uh, just gonna, I need you to audibly laugh so the audience, so the so what, so what, yeah. so this this audio only viewers can understand what you just did. Uh, I'm just saying Omega Lu. Okay, so yeah, so for the for people listening, Yeska did an Omega lol. So just picture his face Omega lolling is what he just did in response to my comment. But look, you talked about um, Kenobi, you talked about like new wave talent coming in. That's gonna be exceptionally hard. If only players above the age of eighteen can actually do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's really not that much like incoming talent from China, honestly. Like it's, it's for been... all games, by the way. There's not mm. even just Overwatch anymore. But yeah, yeah, I mean, with it, with it, even regardless of like just the 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 whole age restriction on eighteen thing, you know, if that's actually happening, there really isn't that much talent. Ooh. It's it's kind of all there. After like Team CC, it was basically like that was like I I think honestly, and I hope I'm wrong about this. It's and it's probably too early to tell. That was the peak. I, I think I don't think we'll see in Chinese contenders a team like Team CC ever again. I think that was the perfect combination of just like players, of timing, of um, just raw talent that the Chinese region had to yeah. offer. Where basically everyone went to Owl besides Dia, which I think I still think is a robbery. Damn, forgot about Super um, Rich. Done him dirty. Oh, he's on. Yeah, he's on Team CC. I forgot about him. <laughs> right. Man. 
He's in I Korea remember. Right I remember more about China than you do so far. I'm just. Not... You, you have. You've gotten me two for one right now. You're, you're two for zero oh right now against me. A guy forgets um, about Taro. How could you forget about Taro Cookie, the most Taro, impactful dude, player of the Chengdu Hunters? I can't believe it. In the one map that he played. Speaking of people that everyone forgets about, is there any chance for Dia? He should go. I mean, Valiant would be the one if, like, if he. The, the oh, thing man. is, it's like, Valiant why would they would sign the him now if they didn't? It, first off, for all the like other Chinese teams, there's no reason I think, and this is this would be weird, like, why would they sign him now over signing him last year when he's coming off playing for one of the best teams we've ever seen in Contenders history? Like, didn't he I, decline? Yeah, didn't he not want to play story. Valiant? He said he did not want to play for Valiant. Well, he didn't want to play for Valiant, which I understand. I I understand at that point not wanting to play for Valiant because he's had already had the mental uh, mental stun lock of basically being 0-40 Shanghai Dragons, doesn't want to go back to Valiant where he's not going to get anything built around him. He's coming off the back of playing with five of the best players we've ever seen in Chinese contenders. Like, I wouldn't want to go to Valiant. You can, yeah. He makes enough money streaming. He's totally fine. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. All right, I yeah. mean... Um... What's what's coming up, man? So as we start wrapping up here, um, I'll give the floor to you. Bit of a shout out if you want, or you know, plug uh, yourself. Talk a little bit myself. about about you and, and and things you're getting up to. Um, about the the campaign that you're running in in your uh, back right shoulder. Um, anything uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. We just we just uh start. We had got a new idea for one, and Joe's actually gonna be a part of it. So that's gonna be uh that's gonna be fun. Um. I think that as well, um, I just want to say thanks for uh, 200 episodes of this podcast for you guys, uh, Tactical Crouch. It's been um, a real uh, fun time coming on here and talking with you guys about it. I think it's been great for the community to have you guys um, around. Uh, now I'm going to shamelessly plug myself because I've been done enough uh, brown-nosing of you guys. Uh, you can follow me, KenobiCast, it's right there on Twitter. Um, in terms of what's coming up next... Uh, maybe collegiate cross the fingers you know we'll see we'll see what's happening with homecoming uh going on to this year and next year but uh crossing my fingers for that um and just yeah continue to support tier two as much as you can um it's definitely something that i have spent a lot of time uh at, uh kind of putting myself into especially for the chinese contender scene and um as overwatch one ends I have been really blessed and honored to um, kind of do the every single English broadcast that we've ever done. So um, mm -hmm. thank you all Not for even watching. Joe did that. Shame on you, Joe. <laughs> I was Joe, after one. I'm like, this ain't for me, bro. This Joe, is not Joe, for me. Joe watched me get be right about a prediction about T1W clapping Team CC 4-0 early and in the morning at like 5 a.m. And he was just gone. Yep. He was done. He didn't want to come back. He, it was over for him. Uh, you body me in the neutral, as they say. I remember him, him and him and Val's. Shout out to Val's, uh, if you're if you're watching, but like uh, him and Val's were like, were were so upset at me. They're like, oh, there's no, there's no way T1W is gonna T1W is gonna four zero Team CC Kenobi. You're crazy. And then bam, four zero, and then T1W doesn't lose a map until Grand Finals. Mm -hmm. So back Joe, when I was on my orchid shit. Joe is gone. Shout out to those orchids, ones. orchids, a, that's a throwback. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, Joe's on. Joe's. Uh, he, he's he's on a new world grind now. He's on a whole new grind on on totally different shit now. Um, and we'll look forward to uh, collegiate more 
Chinese Overwatch. Hopefully, it's still it's still pounding, even even with all the restrictions stuff like that, and things are still going through. Um, and looking forward to a great 2022. Thank you so much for being part of TCB episode 200, Mister Juice. Well, there it is, guys. That is episode 200 done and dusted. Man, we have had quite the mega episode. I, I bet it's probably you know. Longer than what we thought as well, because I remember you know, at the start, we're like, yeah, how many guests should we get? And how long should we have each guest on? And, you know, we, we kind of pencil in a bit of a time, like, yeah, maybe about this kind of time. But mm. this is TCP, guys. We always know that things go way longer than planned, like every yeah. single time. I think we went slightly over the budgeted time allocation for each person by at least five to ten minutes per. So, <laughs> um, yeah. but we got good stuff, man. That, that was awesome. I'm, I'm so happy with the quality of guests and like all the discussions like i think every single guest i wish we had on for like another 15 minutes easily mm. yeah, yeah, yeah if sure. if we if we do it again which i i have a feeling maybe the community would like I've, it's gonna have to be on special occasions but yeah um it, it's not as bad as i assumed no people are pretty pretty well open to you know either waking up you at the crack of or I mean, it's it's managing, you know, four different time zones. It's a global thing. You know, it's it's right, got to right. be kind of tough. But for the most part, people were pretty uh, open to the idea of coming on. Definitely I mean, didn't have too much pushback. And that's, I think that's also like a good lesson for young journalists. Like people are happy to talk about their passion. Yeah. You are not a nuisance reaching out to these guys, right? Like, and thank you for you. Uh, thank you, Joe, for like organizing all of that because like this went pretty smooth of course you always have some no shows that's just how it goes right Um, it happens but yeah no overall like the mega episode format it's definitely also something like that i could see maybe for playoffs or something like this right yeah yeah it's it's opened the door to a lot of um curiosities in my mind of like oh man we talked about a few topics and a few discussions that I wanted to dive in deeper if it wasn't for time mm. constraints. True. And I almost like, you know, we, we got to get some of them back on, just kind of type some loose ends in that regard or yes. have another catch up at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, maybe it, it's, it's the kind of thing where like, I even sort of brainstorm my head, like, you know, who else would be really good to get on in, in future for another guest episode. Yeah. Um, but it's been, it's been a ton of fun, man. And, you know, a celebration 200 episodes of TCP um, of which, I was definitely here for the bottom part of it, but even just seeing John again and talking to John, mm. um, reliving the first one seventy something is yeah. uh, was a, was a cool little thing as well. Yeah, for sure. Always good to get the OG back. Um, and yeah, like you said, I'll echo a lot of the the sentiment that you know getting illuminated on maybe some of the uh, off season you know stirrings, why things are happening, you know people you know moving positions maybe even moving out of esports it, it was uh it was good to kind of get everybody's touch base with everybody again for sure well i mean now we go back to boring of what talk right is <laughs> <laughs> about to be very long guys like yeah yeah we'll see man because that's the other thing is you know after talking to all the guests it's like all the roster moves will eventually be done a lot of them are almost already done um and if not like the off by january it'll be here's all your completed rosters we'll talk about that and yep. then uh after that yes because finally have gonna have to pay attention to overwatch too because literally we're gonna have nothing left so <laughs> i mean i have some i have some side tangents left in the holster ready to shoot oh yeah you you okay you banked it up all right you, you, i yeah. see that yeah. um 
or save it really you know write your material now really really stock it together because we're gonna we're, this is gonna be a bit of a marathon until the new season starts after the roster is completed and off-season roster mania will be concluding as well which is as crazy as that sounds will eventually happen so we will see you all for episode 201 and again thank you so much for being part of the tcp journey all 200 episodes or if you just joined us recently like i have in terms of sticking around with two tcp uh, i hope you stick around for 200 more we'll see you next week